Hello and welcome to another episode of No Particular Podcast. Uh, so before I get into it, I want to tell you about uh, Dark Horse Comics and how they've just announced that they're releasing a new Aliens vs. Predator series called Aliens vs. Predator Thicker Than Blood. This is written by Jeremy Barlow and uh, the artist is Doug Wheatley. This will be a four-issue series with the first issue being available in stores on December 11th. So you can go check that out whenever, wherever you might uh, go get your comics. But uh, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because uh, I talked to, in this episode, Jeremy Barlow, who was the writer for this uh, four-issue series that's going to be coming out. Um, So I met Jeremy a while ago when we were going to start a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and uh, we were we just met up to like roll for characters with some other people and uh, I got to know him there he's a really cool guy and I had been our, our mutual friend Matt told me um, a little bit about what he does and how he's a, a writer for comic books and I thought it was really cool and it could be a really cool conversation since everyone even if you don't like read comic books, you have an idea of, you know, obviously who Spider-Man is and who Batman is. You've heard of them. You've seen them. Um, and so I thought that it could be a really cool conversation to talk to him, gain uh, some insight into that whole industry, how to get into it if somebody was into um, being a part of that world. And so he sits down and shares some stories about how he kind of got on the path to get in that direction and what it took to become a comic book writer. And it was a really cool conversation. He's, he's a really cool guy and I look forward to talking to him more in the future as he keeps on working on stuff. But anyhow, I hope you enjoy this episode with Jeremy Barlow. So yeah, I guess we'll go ahead, and you can go ahead and just kind of tell me about what well, your, your name. Oh is. yeah, hey. yeah. Hi, <laughs> uh, I'm Jeremy Barlow. I'm a professional writer, comic book writer. Yeah, graphic novels, video games, um, all that stuff you want to do when you're 12. Yeah, is <laughs> uh, that kind of what you were thinking, like from the get go when you were a kid? Were you? Yeah, yeah, more or less. I I really wanted to be a comic book artist yeah. when I was younger. And I just, I had a little bit of talent, but I had no discipline and I had, I was pretty cocky about it. I thought like, who needs art classes? You know, like who needs to study like perspective and and lighting and anatomy? Like when you can just draw cool stuff. Yeah. Um, So for a while in my teens, I was submitting comic book art stories to this small publisher in Salt Lake City. And I think I got, I did get a short story published with them but i got a lot of rejection Hmm. and in that rejection they were really gracious about it because most publishers when you get a rejection they'll just send you a form letter oh okay saying like hey it's it's not for us best of luck and i got some really detailed critiques from this editor i don't i don't even know who it was but um he was very encouraging about my writing he said he liked the stories and he liked the ideas that i was coming up with but the art was just not there oh okay 
And so, uh, you know, being a being an arrogant teenager at the time, I was like, how dare he? You know, this is good stuff. Uh, but I really started to think about it. And I thought, well, I do like writing and I do I am I might be good at it. Yeah. So I just that's kind of where it started. And then I went to school. Um, I got an English degree uh, from the University of Idaho. So, so what, I guess, what were you, uh, like doing while you were growing up? Were you playing yeah. a lot of video games? Like what kind of, yeah. Um, or like even reading comic books. Yeah. I was, like, I've been reading comic books, man. Like how deep do you want to go? I mean, I got, I got, I don't have anything going on. <laughs> all right. Either, all right. So. so, uh, going all the way back, I was homeschooled. Oh, okay. So and where did you grow up? I grew up in Southeast Idaho, Pocatello, oh, okay. Idaho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Small town in, in rural Southeast Idaho. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a very um, religious family. I was homeschooled, very anti-government, anti-society. They've since mellowed out quite a bit. I'm the oldest of nine kids. Okay, but so, at the time, they were kinda... I was the firstborn, so you know they really oh, like okay. t- tighten the screws down on me. So, uh, so were you kind of being like held away from? Yeah, like we were. That... Um, we weren't allowed to watch a lot of TV shows or listen to the radio. It was weird because it, it came and went, sort of depending on the, I guess, the mood of my parents. And my parents are great. I don't mean to, I don't mean to trash talk them, but it was a, it was a, it was a different childhood. So, yeah. So I used to buy comic books with my allowance when I was a kid. Uh, I mm. would go to the Seven Eleven and just get them off the spinner rack. Yeah. And uh, it's how I learned to read, basically. Oh, for, so from a really early age. Yeah, I'm talking like seven, six, seven years old, five, six, seven years old. Yeah. Um, I think I have a vague memory of a relative giving me a like Apple box with some comics in them. Oh, okay. Um, Did you have a favorite or do, were you just oh, like man. anything? Like... Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So my favorite after a while, I'll come back around because this story's this story has got a tragic end, um, but a good ending because here I am. Uh so DC Comics has this character named Jonah Hex, who's this Western character that's been around since the 70s. Yeah. And in the 80s, when I was growing up, they sent this character into an, a post-apocalyptic future. Post-apocalyptic future. So he was basically a Mad Max ripoff. Oh, okay. Um, and I loved it. I loved Mad Max when I was a kid. That yeah. was like my thing. That was my jam. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was my favorite. It was a very short-lived thing that DC Comics did and has since like never mentioned again mm-hmm. for some reason. Um. So yeah, so like I'm uh, at this point, I'm like eight, nine years old. I'm buying comics, and my grandparents are on this like satanic panic kick. Oh, okay. Back then, that was know? a kind of a big thing. It's a big thing right? in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, like there was Satan was in everything. Satan yeah. was in popular music and movies, and it was basically just a way for a lot of televangelists to raise money, and uh, I, it was crazy. So my grandparents got really upset that I was buying comic books because in oh. their minds, it's it's satanic. It's the devil. Mm-hmm. So um, being a good little like religious homeschool weirdo that I was, I, I went along with it 100%. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I hated it because I loved these comics. But at the same time, you know, you trust your parents and your grandparents. And uh, so, yeah, so I had to throw my comic collection into the fireplace and did, like, were they did they ask that of you or yes, were you yeah they had to be oh. destroyed so uh 
So I was, yeah, I did it, and I was very much like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. That is really tragic. <laughs> but I, well, here's the thing too, like I couldn't help not still buying them. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so one collection into the fireplace, and I would buy them, and I would stash them, and I would hide them. Have you ever, have you gone back and tried to like refine those comics? Well, no, because like, those got destroyed too. Oh, <laughs> like geez. I would, I would buy them until I had too many to hide. Oh, and then they would get destroyed, and um, yeah, and then eventually it became really hard to find comic books to buy. Like, again, like I was in a small town and like, you can't really buy comic books at Seven Eleven anymore. Like you could, back yeah. then, you know, or grocery stores, you have to go to, to comic shops. Um, so by about, I don't know, like early adolescence, 12 or 13, I kind of just stopped cause they were, hmm. they were hard to find. And at that point I was, I had become kind of rebellious and I wanted to be cool and comics were too geeky. And yeah, so there was a good chunk of time, like through most of my teens, where I just didn't, um, I didn't read a lot of comics. But I was, I was still into like drawing and writing. Um, I'm trying to think of how this all came together, what the timeline of it actually was. Eventually, I got back into comics, and I wanted to make a job of it. And then when the when the art dream kind of went away, I thought, okay, well, I'll write because that's something I can just do on my own. Okay. And so for a while, it was like, I'm going to write a novel. Like, I'm going to get into novels. And I, I started some and abandoned them halfway yeah. through, like a, like a lot of people do. Like, everybody does when they're starting out. And then I went to college, and I got an English degree, and I hooked up with a bunch of uh, amateur filmmakers. Oh, wow. And so I was writing screenplays, and we were making, like, short movies. And, and I really thought, okay, that's maybe that's where I want to go. And where did you go to college at? Um, University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho. Okay. Kind of by Pullman, Washington, where Washington State is. Yeah. Just south of Spokane, Washington. And were, so were you, were you pretty, like, when you were going to school for uh-huh. this stuff, were you open with your parents? Like, kind of <laughs> like, you know, or yeah. were you like, I- I'm going to see what happens? Uh, so I say this with, I have a great relationship with my parents and they're very supportive of, supportive of me now, but they had a really hard time with me going to college. Oh, even then? Yeah. Did they kind of want you to stay in the area? Yeah, like, they wanted me to okay. stay. My dad owns a heating and plumbing business that he sort of assumed mm-hmm. I would I would take over. Oh. So that was a, there was a little bit of friction there. And not only did I go to college, but I went as far away in the state as possible. Yeah. Uh, with so my the, girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Oh. So this is all kinds of like, wow. Yeah, this is like, like, I am like, I am, I am over turning the the family apple cart here and they weren't trying to like financially support you in they they did they were oh, good okay. yeah they did help me out as i was going along wow. i worked my way through college and they they kind of supplemented it when i needed to so i i really appreciate that but that they cool. did not understand like mm-hmm. why i was doing it and what i was doing and um again their sort of political religious background ran counter to yeah. what college stood for and um, so that was a little rough for a while, but we got, once I graduated, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. Oh, that's awesome. From, like anybody I know, I think. Wow. So they were super proud of that. Like they were very supportive of that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm writing all through college and I have this terrible inferiority complex because of the homeschooling. I just oh. think like, I've got to like learn how to, I've got to learn how to write. The other thing that I left out is that I, I was homeschooled until I was 14, hmm. and then I went to work for the family business. So wow. I pretty much dropped out at, like, what is that, seventh, oh, you didn't, seventh like, grade or something, I think. You never, like, finished? I like, just got my GED when I decided oh, wow. to go to college. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I know, yeah. Wow. So I was working full-time from, like, age 14 to 18 or 19. And what year would that have been? Like This was... 
this would have been 92 wow yeah ish um yeah i'm 44 okay now so wow it was a while ago yeah so i went away to college and um i was dating a girl that i met when i was just before i turned 17 yeah and we're still together we got married wow. eventually yeah that's cool yeah it's great doesn't, it's really great that doesn't it's, happen very often no it's like it's I'm sure sometimes a lot of people think back to your high school sweetheart and you think like, oh, what if, you know, yeah. what if that would have worked out? And Matt, it did. Uh, so uh-huh. our mutual friend, Matt, yes. he told me to, if he said, if you're willing to go into the details, he said you kind of had a funny story regarding like getting together with your wife about going, sneaking into the, oh, uh, man. Like- yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, you mean I don't know how much he told you or, or like where, where he he just said just ask him about this. <laughs> okay, so I was like, okay, okay, I'll bring um, it up. All right, so let's put a pin in the career stuff. Uh, so my wife lived on the same block that I did. She was not the girl next door, but she was like the girl like four houses down. Yeah, and I lived in this house with my family for three years. I never met her. Like we oh. never interacted. I was working full time. You know, yeah. like she was going to high school like a normal person. Too busy. Yeah, I just didn't. That's the thing when you're when you're 16 years old and you're working full time with a bunch of plumbers, your dating options are pretty pretty. Limited. Yeah, that's pretty funny because uh, it's not like they well I'll set you yeah, up. Yeah, right, <laughs> <laughs> right. And even if they could, you know, I'm a kid. That's kind of a hilarious. Yeah. Like... So, um, so yeah, I met her because this kid moved in next door to me, who was a he was a big talker. He told him he just he was. It was can I swear on this bullshit? This- yeah, you can, okay, you all right. can say whatever you want. He was full want, of shit. Man. He was bullshitting all the time. He was telling stories about how he killed people and um, like all this like it's just this crazy impossible stuff that he used to do. So he started telling me about this girl down the street that he said washes her car in her bikini all the time. Oh, wow. I've been living on the street for three years. I've never seen <laughs> I've never seen this. So I've known this kid for a while and I'm just kind of nodding my head. Yeah, yeah. But you knew like you're so you're just yeah, you're shit. not whatever. And so I'm leaning out my bedroom window. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm talking to this guy. He's down on the down outside the window. And he says, no, look, there she is right there. And he points down at her house, which is like four houses down and across the street. And she's like at her window. Hmm. And so he calls her name and she jumps out of her bedroom window and walks down. And we just sort of hit it off like right there. Wow. Like, and, and he was upset because I think he kind of had a thing for her. But mm-hmm. um, I like to joke that when i met her i was really like i thought the coolest move i could make i'm sitting up in my window right i'm yeah. about i don't know like seven feet off the ground and i can see her talking to to my neighbor and i'm like you know what would really like put some icing on this i'm gonna go get my guitar oh man <laughs> yeah i'm that guy <laughs> so i went and got my guitar and i'm so oh i'm just i'm just strumming it i'm just you know just doing what i do just um and so to this day i tease her that that's like were you pretty good were no you pre- oh. <laughs> <laughs> i just had this like cheap squire strat mm. you know that so it wasn't even plugged in i'm just up there like just doing just riffing and, yeah just, just playing the beginnings of songs that i heard on the radio um so yeah so we started i moved away uh, probably about a month after we met and we would sneak out every night to see wow. each other like she would come to my house or I would come to her house. And you were like 14, 15 at We were time? 16. Oh, she okay. was 16 and I was uh, probably a month away from turning 17. Uh-huh. So we ride our bikes. Again, it's a small town. I think yeah. we had a, a mile to go or two at the most. We'd ride our bikes and we'd meet in the middle of the night. We'd stay out all night together. 
and uh, yeah and then i was just a wreck at work of course because i'm, I'm You're just like, yeah not sleeping I'm not sleeping night. at all but i'm 17 so it's cool <laughs> so i think maybe the story that i told matt that he wants to tell is that uh we almost got caught a couple of times oh uh her mom is blind oh okay. legally blind um so i would we i would sneak into her bedroom she would let me in the front door like 11 o'clock midnight and I would sneak in. And we were always really good about, I'm just going to stay for a couple hours, then I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always be gone before the house got up. And I fell asleep one morning. Oh, man. Yeah, I woke up and there's sun coming through the window and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, shoot. And I can hear like breakfast being made. And uh, let me also add to this, her, her stepfather did not like me at all. Oh, right? okay. Her stepfather had a family from a previous a previous marriage, previous family, had a daughter that was the same age as my girlfriend, my then girlfriend, who got pregnant. Oh. And so he was very cautious about, like, this guy's trouble. I don't want this yeah. guy coming around the house. Was he, uh, I guess, did yeah. he, did your uh, wife, girlfriend at the time uh-huh. kind of see him as, like, a dad, or was he just Yeah, I think, th- I think he'd been stepdad for four years at that point oh okay yeah i mean she was she respected him yeah it was um but not enough to like not keep me out of the house at night you know she didn't care that much yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um and this was a school day too i remember this because we got up and we were both like oh man what are we gonna do because there's no way out of the house that, that isn't in view of like the kitchen window yeah or the front door and so she says, I have to get up and go through my routine, right? Yeah. I can't I can't signal that day. something's different in here, right? So what are we going to do? So she has to go take a shower. That's her morning pre before she goes to school routine. And she leaves me in the bedroom. And again, as a 16-year-old girl, she's got a 16-year-old girl's bedroom. And in the corner of the room, she's got this pile of stuffed animals, like just, just this mound, this pyramid of stuffed animals. And I don't know who had the idea, but one of us thought it would be a great idea. I hid in the corner and she piled the animals up. Oh, my God. Right? (laughs) It's like sitcom. It's totally. Oh, man. It totally is. So I'm in there and I'm bracing myself against the corner of the wall because I am freaked the fuck out. Yeah. Like her dad has yelled at me more than once already. Oh, really? Yeah. Like. So he made it clear that he didn't. He does not want me around. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Um, And I don't know if this was the first time. I think he caught me staying over like after curfew or something before mm-hmm. like out on the front porch and like chase me off so this would this was a big deal so i'm braced up against the corner of the wall with this pile of stuffed animals around me and she's in the shower and i'm just my heart is pounding and i'm like just get through this her dad's gonna go to work just go and then her alarm clock starts going off oh, right man. and it's on her dresser or like a, a little end table within arm's reach of me. But if I reach out, these this tower of stuffed animals is going to fall off of me. So I just freeze. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. Going off, going off. Her bedroom door opens, and in walks her mom, right, to turn the alarm off. And her mom was blind again, right? So I, her, I could have reached out and grabbed her mom's leg or arm or hip or whatever, and she's fumbling with the alarm. She doesn't know how to turn it off because she can't find the button. Oh, yeah, right? of course. And I'm just, and it feels like an eternity to me. Like, uh, so, uh, so I don't get caught. She leaves. My girlfriend comes back in 
and I stand up out of this tower and I'm like, I can't stay here. I can't do this. And so I jump into the closet and she slides the door closed and she goes out and has breakfast and I hear her dad's truck start up and leave. And she comes back in and I just jump out the bedroom window. And she's like throwing my clothes after me and my shoes and I'm putting my shoes on as I'm running across the yard. Oh man. Um, yeah. So that was a close call. We eventually did get caught another time, which is a, another long, horrible story that I'll say for another time. Wow. Um, so her dad didn't speak to me for like years yeah. from while we were dating. Like okay. he was so angry with me. Yeah. Because he, so I got away that time, but I didn't stop coming over. He caught me another time, told me never to come back, didn't want his daughter dating me. Were you like the same age? Yeah. This was all, this all took place, took place within about like four months. Okay. Right. And so, um, yeah, so he just did not talk to me for a long time. A little bit, I'd say about a year later, I moved away to Salt Lake City to go to school. So we mm-hmm. did a long distance thing. And uh, I just accepted, okay, like my girlfriend's dad hates me. And that's yeah. just how it's going to be, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, but I think because we stayed together so long, um, you know, he didn't talk to me for three years. And we moved away to college not too long after that. And we came back for a visit once, I remember. And he, I was, what I would always do is I would drive her to her house and I would drop her off so she could see her family when we'd come home to visit. And he comes out of the house and he comes walking up to my car and I'm like, oh man, what is this? What is happening right now? Mm-hmm. And I roll down my window and he just leans in and he says, I have some extra ski boots. Do you want them? Wow. And I said, yes. Wow. I didn't even ask what size they were, you know, like, yes. And so that's what it, like, I guess he just finally accepted, like, I wasn't going anywhere. And Took a little while. But yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we bonded over ski boots. And well, hey, it's great. Cool. It's been great ever since. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were idiots. We were young idiots. Yeah, no, that sounds really risky. <laughs> I mean, geez. Yeah, we were, we were drinking. There used to be, I don't know if there's st- it's still around, but there used to be this Jolt Cola hmm. that was uh, twice the cat. No, it was. Yeah, twice the caffeine and all the sugar was its marketing. So they, we were just ble- like, they just said that like, yeah, yeah. Is what we twice it had a lightning bolt on the can. <laughs> Jeez, sounds really healthy. So we were drinking that stuff all night and just it was crazy. That's what got you through that time. Yeah, <laughs> goodness. Yeah, get up and go to work. Did you basically when so when you were um, that age and everything, uh-huh. were you basically doing the regular work of like a plumber? Yes, I was working full time. I was actually doing like furnace and air conditioning repair. Wow. Driving around with a ladder on the top of my van. Um, I look pretty young now, but imagine me at like 17. Like, yeah, I know. Showing up at your door with a tool belt. Like you've called to have somebody come fix your furnace. Yeah. And there's like this kid showing up like here. I could do the job. You know, yeah. I was good at the job, but man. I got a lot of static from people. They would actually call the office while I was there. Like, what is this a joke? Why'd you send this kid? Um, and sometimes when you have to deliver bad news, like your furnace needs to be replaced. And yeah, it's like three no. to $5,000. You know, they're not going to listen to me. <laughs> so that Goodness. was tough. And it was never like, I'm a creative person. I'm not really a, I don't, that's not really fair. I'm, I'm pretty handy now. Like I fix my own furnaces and I can work on my car. But at the time I just was like, I could do the job, but I was never great at it, hmm. you know, so that was... You just did it as a means to make Yeah, I mean, money. it was the family business, yeah. you know, and I made good money. I made really good money. Like, uh, those guys get paid well, you know, yeah, people no, who plumbers sure. and, and air conditioning repairmen and... Has your yeah. dad since retired from that? Or no, he still runs it. He's, he's still, still back it? in the hometown, still still running it. My brother my brother and one of my sisters work there. Oh, okay. Still, so, yeah. That's cool. So, they'll definitely leave it to them then. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. We haven't really talked about it. I hope so, because it's cool. hard to run from here. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So then uh, what were your experiences like uh, in college? Like, did you have a lot of uh, 
kind of uh, projects and stuff that pertain to what you do now or anything? Um, or did well, you... I mean, I was writing those short movies for the this, yeah. like filmmaker group I was with. Um, really, what got me into comics is after we graduated, my wife became a medical technologist. She works in a laboratory, and she got a job offer out here in, yeah. in Portland. And I was like, I can work anywhere, you know, like as long as I have a laptop, I can be anywhere. So Portland sounds great. And the more I thought about it, the more I, I realized that, well, Dark Horse Comics is in Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, and I did have this, I wasn't as into comics anymore, but I, I had enough knowledge and experience that I could apply for a job there. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I could be an editor and I could help put the books together. And, and so I did, I, I, I came out here and actually no what happened was so i I had started emailing cold some editors at dark horse and i had been going to san diego comic-con for a long time in the 90s and kind of being i would hound the people like other comic book writers that i really had looked up to i would like go to their signings and i would ask them to to go to coffee and give me like career advice and stuff and there was one writer named James Robinson who had this series called Starman back in the 90s. Who was, it was my favorite. I just loved it. And he was very gracious. He was very patient with, like, cocky little 20-year-old me. <laughs> um, every year I would go down and we would go to lunch. We'd go to dinner. We'd go get coffee. And I would give him a stack of, like, unfinished work, you know, thinking, like, oh, he'll, you know, he'll read it and give me some pointers and um, as a professional now, I'm super embarrassed about that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because he didn't. He shouldn't. Um, that's an unfair expectation. But so this is all leading to when I decided I wanted to get a, get the job at Dark Horse, I emailed him and I said, hey, do you have any advice on like who I should talk to or or how I can get in? And he said, oh, I'll just talk to him for you. You know, like I know you well enough and like I don't mind giving you a, a recommendation. And so he did. I went down to I went down to comic-con it was actually two weeks after my wedding oh really and i was uh we were so broke we were so broke and i thought like i can't ask my wife to for me to go to comic-con two weeks after my wedding you know that's crazy yeah uh but at the same time she knew how important it was to me and she's like go you know like this is a this is a job opportunity so i did uh this writer made an introduction for me a really great flattering introduction which then got me a job interview back in portland when we moved here and I got a job. I got a job at, uh, like not a couple of months after we moved here, I think. And then mm-hmm. I was an editor at Dark Horse for six years. Wow. I guess I worked on Star Wars and Conan and Indiana Jones. And yeah, yeah. Matt said, it, or yeah, he he mentioned that you might not be able to talk about this, but he he said that yeah. you've been to Spielberg's Lucas's house. Oh, Lucas's. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. At all, yeah. Um, so one of the jobs I had there was I was editing. I, I don't know how familiar you are with comic books. A little bit, but not too much. So it's anytime there's a big, they don't do it so much anymore. But back in the like late 90s, 90s and the early 2000s, um, they would do adaptations of movies. Oh, okay. They do novelizations of movies too, you know, and they always release these things like a week before the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're really excited about Star Wars Episode Two attack of the clones yeah um and you can't wait to see it there's a comic book adaptation of the movie that comes out a week before oh, the movie. okay so dark horse makes a ton of money on that lucasfilm makes a ton of money and the fans get to see what the story's all about before the movie comes out and with those is it usually like 
you guys come up with this story? Like, or no, just... usually it's this whole process where you go down to Lucasfilm and they lock you in a room with the screenplay of the movie and mm-hmm. then you take copious notes oh. and then you come back. Usually you go down with, you hire a writer to write the, the adaptation and you and the writer sit in a room with the screenplay under like security, under lock and key and you make a bunch of notes and then you come back and you try to take everything that you remember and turn it into a, a comic book. Oh. Um, and Lucasfilm is really good about if you have questions or you've forgotten something, they'll, they'll contact them. And... Yeah, they'll fill in the gaps or they'll send you um, like visual reference of all the stuff they're working on, concept designs. Things change in the filmmaking of it and they'll let you know what's changed. Oh, okay. Sometimes like whole subplots drop out. Um, but it's all very like tightly controlled. You sign a lot of like non-disclosure Indeed, agreements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Makes again, you're sense. like you're professional. You know, you're not gonna hurt that relationship just so you can go out and oh, yeah. you know like tell everybody you know what's gonna happen in the new were, Star Wars. Were you pretty excited when you heard about like these kind of opportunities? Yeah, like, I mean, was, yes and no. Like, like I grew right? up as a Star Wars fan, but I also when I was doing this, it was during the prequel era, so I wasn't crazy about those movies. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, so it was a little bit of a I'm going to jump all over the place if that's yeah, okay. That's so fine. when cool. I got the job at Dark Horse, um, I was coming into it as like a lifelong Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. And I was a fan of the movies. I didn't read the books. I didn't read the comics. I just felt like the movies were like the real Star Wars and everything else was just sort of somebody else's. That's Yeah, I have a lot of friends attempt. that yeah, the yeah. same way. Yeah. So when I, when I was in the job interview for Dark Horse, knowing that they published the Star Wars comics, I didn't say it to the guy interviewing me, but inside I was like, the two things, if I get this job, the two things I don't want is I don't want to work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I don't watch the show and I don't know anything about it. Yeah. And I don't, it's not my thing. I'm, I'm sure it's a great show for people who like it, but it wasn't. I, I was not. I was not a fan, and I don't want to work on Star Wars because I love it, and I yeah. don't like the comics. You know, like I just don't want to. I don't want to do it, and so I get hired, and I'm immediately assigned to be the assistant of the Star Wars editor. Oh man. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm assigned to be the assistant of the editor who becomes the Star Wars editor like two months later. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I'm like, okay, we're doing this, and so all along, I was like, I felt like my mandate was try to make comics that would appeal to me as a person who doesn't like the comics, you know, Mm -hmm. try to find those things that uh, whatever I think is wrong with them to fix them. I don't know. It was, it was a lofty goal. So anyway, so that, that was sort of my attitude about, about all of this stuff. And the last project that I worked on there was a comic book adaptation of Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull. Okay. I'm not a fan of, (laughs) (laughs) again, I like Everybody I worked with at Lucasfilm was great. I have a lot of respect for the, the company and everybody that I dealt with down there. They're all really talented, really awesome people. Um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull was not my thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, Would you say that that was one of your least favorite projects? Yeah, or, yeah. I, was not, I was not crazy about it. But I, I, the, the writer I hired for it was really good. Yeah. And we both went down and we read the script and kind of looked at each other like, is this real? Is this... <laughs> um, but what had happened later is I got invited down because I was the editor and sort of the project manager of the whole thing. I got invited down to Lucasfilm's oh, advertising summit, I guess is what it was, where all the companies that are licensing Indiana Jones, uh, like Kraft and Gatorade and people, whoever's making the shirts, they all come down and they give presentations on sort of what their advertising, yeah, uh, their marketing campaigns are going to be. Okay. So, so uh, you know, like, 
you, you sit through this long presentation from the Lunchables company, right? Oh, Where they, they try to convince you that like when kids think of Lunchables, they think of adventure. And when they think of adventure, they think of Indiana Jones. Sure. And I'm thinking like there's no eight-year-old kid in the world that thinks about Indiana Jones, right? When this movie's coming out. But anyway, so <laughs> I go down with the head of marketing or one of the people from the, no, from the sales and licensing department of Dark, Dark Horse. We, get, we go down, we're invited to Skywalker Ranch which again, as a Star Wars fan, I'm like, yeah, I'm going down there. I'm like, I got to just keep my cool. You yeah. know, like I'm yeah. a professional. Like That's I cannot, exciting. I cannot geek out about this. I got to just play cool. So Skywalker Ranch is out in the hills outside of the Bay Area. Like you cross the Golden, Golden Gate Bridge and you go up into the mountains and you would not be able to find it if you didn't know it was up there. Oh, it's like really? off, like way up in the, way up in the hills. Um, and so we follow our map and we get up there and we get to the station, sort of like the check-in station. Mm-hmm. And so this ne- is not like an easy to like, no, oh, hey, no, Skywalker. this is like invitation only okay. for sure. For sure. So we get up there, our names are on the list and they tell us to just drive up the road because the presentation is in, I can't, I wish I could remember the name of the theater that they have up there, but they've got their own movie theater up there. Yeah. And they tell us that like it's in this building and they told us what it looks like and it's off to the left and somebody will flag you down when you get up there. You know, just make sure you watch for them. So we're driving up and the grounds are beautiful. There's like stables and a little man-made lake. And wow. uh, it just looks like a ranch. Yeah. Right? It just looks like a ranch. It's so great. And we're driving and we're driving and we're driving and we're passing buildings and we don't see anybody like out on the road to flag us down. And so we just keep going till we get to the end of the road and we get to this house. And like, I've already spoiled the ending here, but so we, we're both like, is this it? I mean, is this where we're supposed to go? This doesn't look like a big enough, it was a big house, but it didn't look like the right kind of place. So we park, there's some an underground parking, like a small underground parking garage and we park and we walk out and there are some landscapers who are building a gazebo. Oh, wow. And we ask them like, is this the whatever theater that we're looking for? And they just kind of they don't know what we're talking about, you know, or they're not allowed to tell us that they know what we're talking about. And so we're like, okay. So we go to the back of the house and we go in the back door and we end up going in through the kitchen where there's a staff who are like preparing a meal. And both of us are a little bit starting to worry a little bit because we're like, this isn't right. And we don't know where we are. We just know that we're probably somewhere we're not supposed to be. Not being like greeted. Like, oh, hey, no, no. <laughs> and like, we're getting like looks over shoulders from this cooks and stuff. Yeah. So we both are just like, just act like we're supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Just go through the kitchen, go through the dining room. We go into the living room and there's like this life-size Yoda in there and this oh, really nice geez. grand piano. And we both kind of look at each other and we're like, we definitely should not be here right oh, now. Man. <laughs> so we go out onto the front porch, again, like overlooking the ranch. It's beautiful. And I call up the person who works at Lucasfilm that I know and I'm like, and she's panicked. She's like, where are you? Where are you guys? Oh, man. I don't know. We're up at this house. And she's like, you're at the house? And I'm like, yeah, we're at the... She's like, get in the car and get back down here. They're looking for you. Oh, geez. So we're like, okay. So we get in the car. We drive back down. How old are you at this time? Oh, geez. 26? <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> no, wait. No, 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 no. That can't be right. I have to be in my early 30s at this point. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I have to be, yeah, like 30, probably 33 yeah wow um so we like oh okay so we get in the car we drive back down the road and there's a guy with a walkie-talkie like waiting for us and we roll down the window and he's like are you so and so we're like yeah and he's like go that way so we go and we finally find the theater and 
I find the, the Lucasfilm contact. And she's like, what happened? And I tell her the whole story. And she says, you didn't go upstairs, did you? No, we didn't. We didn't go upstairs. And I found out later from somebody else that that I don't know if it's still true, but at the time was considered a fireable offense if you were oh. an employee to go upstairs in Mr. Lucas's house. Wow. So we're like, okay, all right. So we're both every you know, and the security they don't know. Like we're just loose on the ground somewhere. So yeah. there, everybody's a little bit like wound up. How so this? This place is pretty big. Like, yeah, yeah. There is multiple buildings. Yes. Multiple. Yeah, I mean, there's wow. like you go up the road and you go over the and the hill and you can't see like parts of it. Wow, that's crazy. And the biggest bummer of it all is there is an official like Skywalker Ranch store that mm-hmm. they open. I think it's it might be like an employee only store, but they opened it to all the licensees who were there for the presentation. And we missed all of that because oh, we were up dang. like messing around. We get we come back and everybody's got these like really cool Skywalker Ranch store bags, oh, and I'm man. like. <laughs> oh man okay so yeah then we went in and we sat through all our terrible marketing campaign presentations and, and went home but yeah that's man. exciting though that's cool <laughs> yeah again like like eight-year-old me would just be like what's happening right yeah now? right <laughs> yeah that's crazy that makes you wonder though like what was upstairs i know it's george in his underwear yeah, <laughs> right. yeah watching star trek yeah <laughs> oh yeah true <laughs> babylon that. five i don't know um so yeah, so I, I that was probably the craziest experience. But when I worked at Dark Horse, I, I, I would go to comic conventions and do Q&A panels. And um, yeah, so I, I, I did that for a few years. And then I was also, I got to a point where I realized, I think around the time I hit the like ripe old age of 30, I was like, if I don't, I always wanted to write. I still wanted to write full time. Like my plan was work at Dark Horse for a couple of years and sort of understand how the industry works and then use that to to launch into a career. Mm-hmm. And I found that I was really good at the job and I really liked it. Yeah. So I ended up staying for a long time. But then I, I really, I knew I wanted to write full time and I knew that I was taking the path of least resistance if I stayed. And I, at the same time, I was doing a lot of freelance work too because uh Comics are a very schedule driven. You know, they come out every month. There's deadlines. Yeah. And if somebody blows a deadline, it, it creates this chain reaction behind them. Dominoes just start falling and it makes the whole book late. So uh not I'd probably say the about a year after I started working there, a writer on one of the Star Wars comics blew a deadline mm-hmm. and we had to scramble to find somebody. And so I was in the I was still an assistant editor and I was in the the main editor's office and we were trying to like you know who are we going to hire what are we going to do and i told him this idea i had for a stormtrooper who's on the death star who sees luke fly by and drop the torpedoes down into the exhaust port you know and like what could be going on with this this stormtrooper who thinks he's one of the good guys right and um and you know i I was there was a little double motivation because i really wanted to write it but i didn't want to like say hey can i can i do this (laughs) and he said that's a great great idea go do it and so uh i overwrote the shit out of it (laughs) you know because i'd never done it before yeah i'd never written a comic before and i worked so hard on it i worked so hard on it and it's terrible no it's good it's a good comic but i look back on it now and i see a lot of like rookie mistakes but anyway that was the beginning like i turned that in I, i pitched the idea lucasfilm really liked it I wrote the script. They liked the script enough to ask me to keep going. Or anytime wow. somebody dropped a, a deadline, I would pop in and, and do it. And I wrote it under a pseudonym for a while just because I didn't want it to look like I was using a connection to like take work from somebody else, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah, so I, I started doing that. I was, I was writing on 
on the weekends and at night. I got hired to write the Star Wars Episode Three tie-in video game. Okay, um, that's just, pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It's a terrible game because they they scrapped everything at the last minute and <laughs> built a new game like with no time. Oh, I remember hearing about. Yeah, that, it was actually. terrible. So it was like a total grind. Like I went, I flew down there a few times to just look at parts of the game and the way video game development works as far as i understand it is they build and build and build and then they tear down tear down tear down so they'll like create whole entire levels that don't make it into the final Mm -hmm. game right so i'm writing dialogue and and mission briefings and all this stuff just trying to get down to the wire and then they'll they'll, i'll get an email the next morning and they'll say like level six is not there anymore like wow all that stuff is gone so you know start start anew so um anyway this is a long way of saying like i was doing so much work yeah by the time i I wanted to leave i felt really comfortable um leaving my full-time job and the comfort of the paychecks to go right full-time and uh it was 10 years ago like right when the economy crashed so like (laughs) when i when i left dark horse i had all this work lined up with these video game companies and uh yeah, and then suddenly people are getting laid off, and like everybody who had promised jobs was gone. And so, um, oh, man. I'd saved up a lot of money uh, beforehand just in case. And uh, yeah, it worked out. I'm still doing it. I'm still. Yeah. Were you kind of stressed out? At oh, the big time. time. Yeah. yeah. Like my wife saved my life because she's like, "Don't worry, it's okay. We've got some money saved up. You know, something." It is. Come along it does and... help to have a wife that had a pretty good job. Big time. Know, and... Yeah. Not only a good job, but like a good attitude. Yeah. About yeah. it, you know, that was very supportive of the. It because it's really it's an uneven job, you know. Like I have deadlines, and I I, I freelance, and I never know sort of where the next job's coming from. Yeah. So I have to be really careful with the money. Like I'll do a bunch of work and then I won't get paid for months. And then I'll get a big chunk of money coming in. Yeah. And you have to be really careful because you're not getting another check for five or six months again yeah. sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, she's been good about – we work together on that pretty well, just balancing the money out. But, yeah, that's the boring part. No, yeah. It's still <laughs> – I mean – Yeah. It's still uh, – it's still, you know, applicable. It's yeah, still, yeah. You know. Yeah, like yeah. That. I mean, that's that's the hard thing when a lot of people ask, like, how do you how do you make a living at this, or how do you break into comics, or how do you break into writing? Like, it's nobody has the same story, and the answer that I give to people is not the answer that they want because the answer that you need to hear is you have to become good enough that people will pay you to do it, mm-hmm. and that takes a long time. That takes yeah. a really long time because anytime you try something new anything new you're not good at it Mm -hmm. you know and especially with writing i think a lot of people make the assumption that because they can type or they can read 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 really really well they can write yeah and um and i want to come back to this about like what good writing is for me uh so yeah i tell people like you have to get good you have to burn the shit out of your system yeah basically you know it's that like malcolm gladwell ten thousand hour idea of like it just yeah. you gotta just burn it out and it's really uncomfortable when you're working on something and you know it's not good you yeah know? like a lot of that's when a lot of people bail because that feeling sucks mm-hmm. and it never goes away i've been doing this professionally for 10 years and i'm working on something right now that i, I look at it sometimes and i'm like man <laughs> you know yeah. this is not as good as I, I know it can be but you just keep working at it you know you just keep doing yeah. it and doing it and you trust yourself and you trust your instincts but um that's really cool though because i feel like there's so many people there that 
they get they kind of reach a certain point a certain point in their life or uh-huh. an age where they're like you know it's too late to really try something yeah like, yeah and that's, that's that sad. makes me sad you yeah. know to think that people just think it's it's not worth trying to yeah do that is that makes me sad too and i i don't know what they mean by that i don't know if they i, I mean i guess i can see in like i don't know like trying to like give the biggest benefit of the doubt i can to that kind of attitude it, i i guess i would look at it like if I suddenly decided at, in my age, at 44, if I decided I wanted to be a doctor, um, I would have to say, like, okay, well, that's 10 years of schooling. Right? Yeah. And I'm also going to be surrounded by people who are 20 years younger than me. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty daunting. Mm-hmm. But it's not impossible. If it was something that I really wanted, I would do it. Oh, yeah. So I mean... it's like that attitude I think of, like, I, I guess when I hear people say that, I think, and I don't mean to be, like, crass about it but i just want to say like well then you don't really want to do it yeah you know like if you if you hear people say like i wish i could play the guitar at age 35 or something but it's too late yeah (laughs) no you would do it if you really wanted to do it yeah you know you might not become like carlos santana yeah but yeah like you could still i could still be good you know maybe you're right too maybe that's it maybe it's about like your expectations yeah maybe it's about like when you hear people say like it's too late for me their expectation is not that I want to learn a new skill or, or change jobs. Their expectation is I want to be the best at it yeah. or something, or I want to be a professional guitar player or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I, I don't know, but yeah, I'm with no. you. I, I, I'm sad when I hear people say that, but even, you know, like I, I had a friend on a few episodes ago uh-huh. that was uh, a musician and he even said, you know, if people, instead of, you know, watching yeah. a show or something, if you just sat down and played yeah. the guitar for 15 minutes, 20 yeah. minutes every day, yeah. like eventually you're going to be pretty good. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It doesn't take, it adds know. up. Yeah. It, well, I mean that I feel like is really what separates people, the people who succeed or, or achieve from the people who don't, the people who achieve are the ones who just stick with it yeah. and are consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're right. Yeah. Like 15 minutes a day, like, or, you know, watch one less episode on Netflix yeah. that you're going to do and just say like, I'm going to devote that 30 minutes every day to just learning some scales or, yeah, or whatever. And yeah, at the end of the month, you know, how many, that's what, 15 hours of yeah, practice that exactly. you've got in. Uh, yeah. So what would you say that it was that helped you as far as, you know, cause you said that even though people think they're a good typer, or a good uh-huh. writer, you know, what would you say really make, what helped you to become really good, you know, you felt like you're more qualified at doing what um, you're doing. I feel like, I feel like what, what I do and what's important to me is connecting with other people. Yeah. Uh, I don't really care about like being famous or signing autographs or like recognition or self-promotion. I'm terrible at, at self-promotion. I really, I hate shining the light on myself, but I really like connecting with people yeah and i really i and writing is something that i'm I'm good it's kind of a natural talent that i have and so anytime i approach any story that i'm doing or the kind of things that i connect with is i'm really just trying to figure out some sort of emotional problem that i'm having or that i maybe have worked through that i think can help someone else so um let me think if i can come up with an example for that uh yeah uh Okay, so I used to write, one of the jobs I had for a while was uh, I was writing a monthly comic for the Star Wars Rebels kids magazine over in Germany. 
Oh, <laughs> I know. Interesting. I know. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's super niche. When this kind of like something yeah. like that comes up, yeah, is that like somebody tells you, "Hey, you're gonna work on this," or something comes up, you're like, "I guess I'll I'll take that." Or are so you... that came through. I was I was part of a studio of comic book artists and writers downtown a few years ago, and these publishers from Germany were in Portland because they know there's a lot of comic book people here in town, mm-hmm. and they had just got this was after Disney took over Star Wars. So they were just starting up this magazine. Excuse me. Yeah. And um, they were looking for writers. Mm-hmm. And part of the process of writing Star Wars is you have to go through this approval with Lucasfilm where you, they want you to be previously published. And I think they want you to send in some pitches. Anyway, they need to sign off on you. Sorry. <clears throat> no, that's a Coke. Um <laughs> So I happened to be in the studio when these guys came in, and I said, well, I'm already through the approvals process. Like, I've written a bunch of Star Wars before, you know, so... And they just, like, lost their minds. They're like, oh, thank you, you know, like, this has been so... Like, we have no time to do this. And to be completely honest, like, I I was so over writing Star Wars at that point. Like, I'd been writing it for so long. I... I think by the third Star Wars comic I'd written, I, I told myself, like, I'm done with Star Wars. Like, I've said all I need to say about it. And How long does each one usually take? Like, is this like a six-month, eight Yeah, or... usually comics come out on a monthly basis, and it takes... They give me about four weeks to write a script. Oh, okay. So they give me four weeks to, like, come up with the idea and pitch it, and then mm-hmm. write a 20-page, 20, 20 to 22-page script. Um, so, like, four weeks-ish. So, like, every four weeks, I've got to turn in a new script. Wow. And I usually send in story ideas in batches so they can approve three or four at a time so I can I can work ahead yeah um but but what I'm trying to say is like so part of this job is like I'm writing these stories every month and I'm always thinking about like what are these stories about you know like what can I how can I find an endpoint on any one of these characters actually let me let me jump to a different one right Okay. Uh, I did some Call of Duty comics this year oh, wow. to tie into Black Ops 4. They were digital, online, promotional things. And uh, one of the characters that I chose is this guy who has a lot of like cybernetic au- augmentations. His, his name's Prophet. They gave us a list of the characters and they gave us, you know, they're all specialists. It's like any kind of, I don't know if you played any of the Call of Duty games. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you sort of pick your, you know, are you the guy with the blowtorch? Are you the mm-hmm. guy with the, the sniper rifle? So I chose the guy who is super high tech because I had heard some some sort of like background stuff they put on YouTube where he's talking about like how how proud he is of these augmentations and and how he is the next step in human evolution, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought I heard that and I thought, well, this is a guy who hates himself, right? This is a guy who hates his natural state. Yeah. Right? He's just full of self-loathing. And I I had them send me the backstory and what got him started on this is his parents died from some mysterious disease. And so that sort of pushed him in this technology direction. And I thought, okay, well, here's a guy who like has lost his parents and he, he blames himself for that. Right. So he's emotionally a wreck. Yeah. Even though that none of that comes out in the game, you know, you're just a cool guy with a cool laser rifle or whatever. But I thought that is interesting to me. Like that's a universal thing that most people have some sort of level of like self-loathing for whatever reason. I do too, big time. Uh, not not big time, not so much anymore. I've worked through a lot of stuff. But anyway, so I'm thinking like there. this is like a really rich emotional story that I can tell with this character who has no, no depth in the game or anything. And so when I set out for something like this, I want to 
figured out like how can I put a character into a situation that challenges them emotionally and also takes away whatever their greatest strength is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this case, this guy teams up with this old mercenary buddy of his who's uh, very anti-technology. He like lives in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere and he's very proud of the fact that he lives off the land. And this main character, they team up and the main character is like, you're crazy, you know, you should, this technology exists, you should use it for your benefit. And his friend up, ends up getting killed on this mission. And uh, the story ends with uh, the, the character, the main character saying, like, I've replaced my tear ducts. I can't even cry for this guy, you know, Jeez. like, um, and as, the, as his friend's dying, he's like, maybe you were right. Maybe you had a point. I wish I had an artificial heart right now. And, they, and as the, the prophet guy's like, my heart's not artificial. You wow. Know? Yeah. You know, so like I try to do this just like emotionally crushing, crushing stuff in these unlikely places. And I do it because I'm hoping that somebody reading it, it will help them yeah. somehow. They'll be able to relate to it somehow, and it can give them a different perspective. Even if it's really subtle, I don't like to preach, and I don't like yeah. to like drive the point home. No, that that's a good. That makes a that makes sense though. Mm-hmm. What you mean by like, yeah, there's somebody that can write, and they can make a cool story. But yeah. then there's like those little details where like this is kind of you know hopefully like yeah noticed by somebody that can even if they don't know it yeah. even if there's something in there that they connect with on some sort of like emotional subconscious level and i think that's why like the great movies that survive have got that yeah you know, they've always something that like speaks to you somehow so i feel like that's what makes good writing like yeah. that sort of understanding that it's kind of like an emotional intelligence and sort of a desire to think outside yourself a little bit you know mm-hmm. and like and not to say, like, I love it when people read my... I, I write so that people read my stuff. And I like to hear that they like it. Or, yeah. you know... So it's not like... My job is very solitary. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm creating Word documents and, like, sending them off into the ether. You know, so it, yeah. it's pretty solitary. So it's nice to know there's someone on the other end of that. But my motivation, again, is, like, some people go into counseling or some people go into, like, volunteering. Like, this is the way that I feel like I sort of help make the world a little bit better yeah you know in a way it's cheesy as that sounds no that's cool um it's important to me though and even if it's on something as like unlikely as a call of duty comic you know i feel like i've sort of done my i've 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 played my part i guess you know and and the nice thing is like so these comics got released out in a big burst of i think there's 10 of them and i wrote two of them and I went online, I Googled them to see what people were saying, and it, the feedback was positive. People were like, oh, that one, you know, that one was my favorite. Yeah. You know, or that one, that one was crazy. I wrote another one that was like just dark, pitch black about the, the fire break, the guy with the, with the flamethrower and just how messed up he is mentally. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I think. And so then, again, it's, it's that, and then it's also just the devotion to it of mm-hmm. getting up every day and... um just putting it in even when it even when you think what you're doing is terrible for that day you Mm -hmm. know just getting up and like putting in the time and and deadlines are good motivation when somebody's expecting something yeah you know like you got to get in and you got to get it done yeah um is there do you ever have any kind of like uh i guess like writer's block ever ever yeah you do i mean usually that that um usually that just means you're not happy with what you're working on you're stuck because something's not working uh, like I don't, I don't believe in writer's block of, like, so, it's like sitting down and being like, I have no ideas, you know, like I just, 
I've, I have many days where I sit down and it feels like nothing is coming out or I know something is wrong with what I'm working on, but I haven't figured out what it is. Um, but I found like if you sit down and just start writing, just start typing eventually, even if you're just writing like I'm stuck at this point in the story and I can't figure out what, what's wrong with it. And if you really start just typing you, out you what just, you're thinking. Yeah, like, if you like, just start, yeah, eventually you start sort of like answering your own questions oh, okay. and something comes, something breaks loose or like an idea pops into your head that you wouldn't otherwise have mm-hmm. thought about and. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling. Am I? Am I no, talking dude, too much cool. here? Okay. No, it's been yeah. We um, can talk about whatever. I, I mean, like all right. I said uh, most of the ones, just to give you an idea, yeah. the ones I've done so far have been like two to three hours long. Mm. So we can do it as short. As okay, long great. As you want. All right. I don't care. You got all right. Great, great. Um, all right. Well, let me talk about my process a little bit then. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Uh, so like I said, I usually a, a lot of times. Uh, I say a lot of times because I'm, I'm actually branching off into something else that I'll come back to, but I get assignments. I get, I, they come to me with the call of duty thing. They say, pick your character or the star Wars rebel stuff or mass effect. They come to me and they're like, you know, you have four issues to write a story. And this is roughly kind of where we need it set in the story timeline. Uh, you know, anything after that is up to me. So I'll look at the characters, like I said, and I'll try to find, some sort of emotional entry point where I think I can, I have something to work with or I see an opportunity to develop something that maybe hasn't been developed before. And uh, I'll go for a walk. I go for long walks every day and I just think about, okay, what is this? What is this thing? What is this? What is the point of this story? Like, what is, what am I trying to say here with this character or what, what sort of emotional situation can I put this character in? And then what does that mean? So you have kind of a list of questions that you ask yourself. Yeah, usually, or usually, it, it comes from the character, like with that that Call of Duty character. You know, the the fact that he was so gung ho on replacing all his body parts, that one hit me pretty quick. Like, oh, he hates his body. You mm-hmm. know, so that you start there. Okay, well, why? Like, why does he hate his body? What does that mean? What does it mean if he gets what he wants? Mm-hmm. What if it means if he does get to replace his body? Yeah. And the point I was trying to make is like, there's also a scene in the comic where he gets to interface with this robot who's also a character in the game, Reaper. Hmm. And I didn't really get to do it because I ran out of room. But in my, in my mind, in the story, he was going to interface with Reaper and he was going to get to like see through Reaper's eyes and he was going to get to the, have the experience of what it was like to be a robot, right? Yeah. Like literally replace everything. And it would be terrible. Like it would not be what he wanted. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also good like drama when you you either you put a character in a situation where you make them you 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 establish what it is that they want the most in the world and then you put them in a situation where they have to choose against it or you give it to them mm-hmm. and it's not what they want yeah um which again i think is a universal thing of like all of us have probably been in situations where um you know your dream job turns out to not be what you thought it was mm-hmm. or uh so yeah so i'll come up with like whatever the emotional entry point is the heart of the story i call it have have you ever done that like come up with that and then look and you realize that there was kind of like like oh this is too similar to what's already been yes. done here really? yeah or oh. similar to something i've already written oh okay yeah so then you um yeah so then you just kind of have to rethink mm-hmm. i i had a, a situation recently with uh, so I'm working on a novel right now. Hmm. Like I want to, I want to branch away from comics and, and write novels full time. Instead, like yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons. For one reason, 
because I work in a visual medium, I'm completely reliant on an artist to, to draw my story. Uh, and that's hard. That's sometimes you get t- teamed with an artist who kind of misunderstands your script or doesn't sometimes doesn't even speak English. Oh, wow. Uh, so things get lost in translation. And also uh, with ideas that I have, comic book publishers won't touch them unless you've got a, a good artist or a hot artist. Oh, and really? so finding somebody who's willing to commit to doing this stuff, because it's all speculation. Like you're writing it for free or you're drawing it for free in hopes that it will sell down Jeez. the road. Yeah. Stressful. Stre- way stressful. So I just got to the point where I was tired of, I have a lot of stories that I want to write, but I could never find an artist mm-hmm. that uh, wasn't already working on a job or uh, I felt guilty about not being able to pay them for their time. So I couldn't afford the the professional level that I wanted. And novels are something that I wanted to do like way back in the beginning, you know, like way back before I even went to school. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. It's all kind of come full circle. So anyway, I'm writing, I'm working on this novel right now and I watched a movie very recently that is very similar to it like and i just it's like oh no oh no what am i gonna do you know like i'm gonna be accused of like ripping off this movie uh but i i i i I went to bed really sort of bummed out i'm like all this work i've done you know because i don't want to be like some people have no problem sort of like stealing not stealing but like being influenced by something else and yeah and everybody's voice is different, so it's going to, you know, my, my version of this would come out differently. But I realized, like, okay, well, well, let me, like, make a list of all the similarities and then make a list of everything that is different mm-hmm. and everything that mine has that is not in this other thing and then lean hard into that stuff. Uh, and I've done that before with, like, comic assignments, too, where I've I've pitched something and then it's, it's turned out that it's too similar to something else in development or production that I didn't know about. So yeah, you do kind of have to retool. And what you do is you just find another entry point. You just find another sort of emotional connection. Like, okay, well, I can't do the story of the guy who wants to destroy his own body, but maybe I can do something with a robot. Like maybe Mm -hmm. there's something about this robot in there that I can, I can do. Um, and also it's all on deadline, you know, like you've got four weeks to get this done. So it's hard to have writer's block when you know, like somebody, like Lucasfilm is on the other end of it. Like you don't want to be unprofessional with them. Yeah. And just be like, hey, I just wasn't feeling good this week. Is it okay if I, and I've blown deadlines. I mean, it's life. It happens. But uh... so, yeah, so I'll come up with a kind of a general idea and I'll go for, I go for a long walk and I work it out. And it kind of comes back to what your buddy said about learning guitar, like putting in the time. I'm a big believer in this, um, idea called deep work i don't know if you've heard of it but there's this book called deep work by cal newport that i highly recommend and his argument is that like the way that our our culture is now is just designed for distraction Mm -hmm. and to completely eliminate boredom you know like how many times do you pick up your phone and just look at yeah it's crazy right like there's uh, so much everyone wants some way to fill their time yeah like nobody wants to be bored yeah right and it also you get like a dopamine hit in your brain it's like Mm -hmm. a chemical reaction of seeing a like on a photo or or seeing some sort of notification on your phone right so um so that this deep work idea is it okay if i keep yeah on. yeah okay. i just wanted to like look up this book really oh quick, yeah look so it I up i man it is so good i i deep work by cal newport yes okay yeah it's on amazon yeah um so his idea is like 
he points back he he points at people who are successful now and people who've successful or who were successful in the past yeah that's it okay um and the way that they have been successful is they're able to block out time for themselves where they can just concentrate on one thing uh there's this like myth of like multitasking nowadays where you feel like you're productive there's this false productivity where you feel like if you answer a bunch of emails during a day and you're just busy 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 um you feel like you're getting a lot done but you're not really getting anything done Mm -hmm. and so if his book is mainly pitched at like academics who publish long papers and stuff but it's really applicable to writing and 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 maybe some of the stuff you do too but the idea is like just carve out a block of time during your during the day where you are not distracted and just work on this one thing. Okay. So I started doing this at the end of October. And I go in my office at nine in the morning and I don't take my phone with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Turn off my Wi-Fi. And I just sit there for four hours and wow. I just work on whatever it is I'm working on. And And what makes that like... And it's grueling. Like by the end of that four hours, I come out and I'm just a zombie because it's, you know, you, you use all your juice in there. Yeah. Um, but what keeps me going is I take, I use this Pomodoro technique. It's What's called that. It's, it's a timer technique. So you set a timer for like 20 or 25 minutes and you work solid through that. And then when it goes off, you take a break, hmm. you take a break for like five minutes and you get up and you walk around, you get a drink of water. You don't look at your phone. Like, you don't do anything that's going to take anything away from your attention. But you just get away from what you're doing for just, like, five minutes. And then you come back and you start the timer again oh, for, okay. like, 25 minutes. And so it's just, like, it's four hours of that cycle. Um, or I will go out and go for a walk. I'll go for a walk for, like, an hour just working out whatever story not I've got to untangle. And that has been incredible. To Pomodoro like, technique. Yeah. I've never heard of that. A Pomodoro, I guess, is a tomato. Huh. And... Um, it was originally based on these one-minute kitchen timers that were shaped like tomatoes. Like you oh, would yeah. twist the top on them. Yeah, yeah, we have one. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. yeah, so those are those. That, yeah, that's called a Pomodoro timer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's great because if I were to just sit down and just like I'm gonna just sit here at my keyboard for four hours, I'd be toast. Like after an hour and a half, I think I would just be dead. So yeah, so that has been super successful. And that's really good for like the writer's block because before I started doing this, um, I'd have a really good productive day where I'd write five comic book pages or, or I'd get a lot done and then the next day I'd just be out of gas. Yeah. And I would tell myself like, well, I got a lot done yesterday. My deadline's not for like three more weeks. I can take today off and just like recharge. And what would always happen is day off, day off, productive day, day off. And then like five days before the deadline, I'm just cramming, right? Like I'm up all night and and it's miserable, but it's been successful for me. So I've always got it done, but I was never happy with it. And also I just hated the, like I hated looking at my phone all day. Do they ever say like, Hey, you know that deadline we gave you, Mm -hmm. we actually have to like cut a few days sometimes you get, yeah oh man and sometimes they'll build a little cushion into it because the way the process works is like even though i'm writing star wars i'm technically working for dark horse or whatever company so i send it to them they send it to lucasfilm lucasfilm makes notes on it if there are any they send it back to me and then i make the corrections hmm. so they build in a little bit of extra time for that yeah just in case yeah yeah so wow. sometimes uh, I, I've been able to kind of fudge with that. Um, but yeah, so this, yeah, this deep work idea 
uh, has been it has been really good for the writer's block. Yeah. Because I sit in there and I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm here, you know, like I, and when I first started doing it, I set a word count for myself. Oh. Uh, and I was also, I also did the National Novel Writing Month in November, NaNoWriMo for the first time, which is insane. You're supposed to write a novel in 30 days. So your word Whoa. count, your daily word count is like unsustainable. Yeah. And you're just writing cr- crap, you know, you're just writing to write. So I set this like really high word count for myself and I would go in there and I would not leave until I hit it. And uh, yeah, it's it's been really, I've since rolled that habit into the stuff I'm working on now. I'm actually like really far ahead on because yeah. I'm in there every, and like I'll go in there some mornings and I'm like, I had a great day yesterday and I've got nothing left in the tank, but. So this is like, yeah. a, it's like a marathon competition kind for of. writers. Yeah, like, it kind of. of is. Yeah, it's like a month long, yeah, marathon. I actually yeah. looked up, I looked up, um, marathon runner psychology before oh, i started doing okay. it because i'm like i know i'm gonna hit the wall i know like and i totally did yeah by like day 14 i was so burned out because i'm like i don't like what i'm writing and i'm tired and i'm not gonna like have a whole novel done by the end of the month and well yeah i guess you reach a point where you're like it's too late to abandon i need yeah. to try and make do yeah and a lot of people do bail because again that feeling sucks wow. that feeling of like knowing that what you're doing isn't what you want to be doing or it's yeah. not a, as good as you want it to be um, it's the easiest thing in the world is to just stop, you yeah. know, and just say like, I gave it my, I gave it my best. Um, but when I hit that wall, I realized like I'm putting too much pressure on this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, having a novel written in a month is insane. Yeah. And like, just to like get an idea for listeners, what would, yeah. what would a word count? So be it's roughly two, like? I'm, okay. Let me think of how it, how it pans out. So it's 2000 words a day. Good grief. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. And I, I'm trying to think of how many pages that translates into. 12 pages? Like 12 single space pages? Something like that. Wow. It's It's crazy. It's so crazy. In a month. 2,000 yeah. words a day? 2,000 words a day for 30 days. Yeah. So. <sighs> Man. I, I got to the point where I was just writing words to write words to hit yeah. the count, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I felt I felt bad about that. But, but I realized, like, what the whole point of the exercise is, is to get yourself in the habit of doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah, I have a like a that's the novel I'm working on now. I have like a half finished first draft of it that okay. I do I wouldn't have had before, you know? Like yeah. I, I kept thinking like I'll do it when I have time. I'll do it when I'm between assignments or something. So you look for all kinds of ways to try and improve your thought process and stuff kinda Yeah, I look for ways to trick myself, I guess. Because yeah. <laughs> I think I'm super lazy. I think deep down I'm super lazy. Like what I really want to be doing is just like sitting and reading a book or playing a video game or watching tv like anybody yeah. else you know like or playing playing music or just being outside like writing is hard work and sometimes i want to do anything but that but, but i also know like I'm, I'm i'm i it's sort of what i'm born to do so i can't avoid if it. you like happen to by chance like uh-huh. come into a bunch of money though would uh-huh. you still want to write for fun oh definitely yeah i can't not I yeah can't, yeah i think that um that, yeah, that's a really interesting question like if I didn't have to do it for a living, would I still do it? Yeah, I would. I would because I make so little now. Um, like so, yeah, this novel I'm writing now, like I'm banking, I'm sort of like gambling on myself, right? Because nobody's paying me to do it. I'm just, I'm just doing it because I want to do it, and I'm doing it with the hopes that, um, when I publish it, enough people will like it and buy it that you know I can support myself on it. So are you sa- kind of sacrificing any like leisurely time to like, okay, I have my time for my work. Yeah. And when I no- don't do that, I need to work on this so, novel. Yeah, the hard part is so 
when I decided to follow this deep work schedule, I made it known to all of my loved ones, all my friends and my family, like, I am unavailable between nine and one. Mm. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not going to answer texts. Every day? Every day. Wow. Yeah. So even this morning, I, like, I really wanted to watch the NFL playoffs this morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I'm like, no, I knew I was coming over here. And uh, I'm like, I got to put my time in. You what, know? Like, what made you pick between those hours? Is that? Uh, my wife goes to work at 1030 in the morning. So we work, it's not exactly a day shift, but I found that I'm kind of fresher in the morning our routine is we get up about we get up at seven, we feed the animals, we have breakfast, and then she takes our dog to the park at nine. Hmm. And before that, I was always like, I'll start working when she leaves for work at ten thirty. Yeah. But I found myself being just like really antsy in the morning, and then I'd also like fall into the trap of like looking at my phone for an hour and a half, and then by the time Easy I would sit down, do. my attention span is just shot, mm -hmm. you know. So I started just going in my office when she left to take the dog to the park at nine and just writing in a, I keep a journal every mm -hmm. day. It's sort of like a warm up, And, um, I just write in my journal for like half an hour or something. And then she'd come home and I'd help get her out the door. But I realized after a little while, like, I don't want to stop. Like once I sit in here. And so that's where it started. And I just mm -hmm. thought like, if I can get, if I can get all my work done in those four hours, I can like, have the rest of the day and not feel guilty because otherwise like when i before this i would spend all day avoiding work and feeling guilty about it until i couldn't handle the like guilt anymore and it would suck because i would think like man i just there's something on netflix i really want to watch but i'm not going to watch it until i get my writing done for the day and the next thing i know it's like 7 p.m you know and i i'm like okay well now i can't do anything but but sit here and write until i go to bed yeah so it's nice to um to get that out of the way early. I also, I also read up on habits of like professional, other professional writers. And that seemed to be pretty typical, like a, like a four, like a solid four hour block or a word count Yeah, seemed to be like a pretty common way to do it. So yeah. I thought that seemed, I thought that seemed good and it's worked out. You ever come out of that, that stretch though, where you're just like fried? Totally. Like kind of like, I don't want the hardest part. Else. The hardest part is, uh, days that my wife has off when she's home. Oh Yeah. You know, I have an I have an office at home, kind of like you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bedroom that I've converted, and so I have to be really careful, like when I'm in the zone, to not get distracted by anything. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I've had before I started keeping the schedule, I like I, my dog would want to go for a walk in the afternoon while my wife was at work, so I take him out and I'd run into a neighbor's. Like the whole time I'm out there, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't even want to leave the house, but I'm doing this because my dog needs to go for a walk. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm thinking about my story and I'm thinking about my story and I'll run into a neighbor who will start up a conversation oh. and then I'll get back and it takes me like another 30 to 45 minutes to like get back into that place that I was. Yeah. And so I've had to be like, my wife is awesome, but I've had to be kind of firm with her. Like when I come out of the office don't ask me about anything. Don't you know? distract me. Because what I'll do is I'll come out and I'll like, on one of those five minute breaks, I'll come down and I'll like make another cup of coffee or something mm -hmm. and then take it back upstairs with me. So I'm like, when you know, if it's not one o'clock and I come out, like, please just, you know, and I feel like a jerk, you know, like I feel like a total jerk, but I have to do it. Um, but yeah, a lot of times I stumble out. And if it's a day that my wife has off, she's like, she has like four hours of questions and stuff oh, stored yeah, up, you know, yeah. or she wants to have lunch. And so we'll sit down and she'll just start, you know, like, do you want to go to dinner with these guys on Friday? And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh, man, my girlfriend would hate that. Like, yeah, it's not, I, you know, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it's not easy for her. I appreciate it. she's she's a long suffering. Yeah. Long suffering wife. At least she's, you know, 
it's pretty cool that she's it's not like she came into a relationship where you've been doing this for a while and she has to just accept it right right that's true seen you become this you know that's true yeah she's been there from the beginning and she's been there since i i started working from home yeah i'm so grateful for her she's she's so i when i first started this job i would like get into such like depression like when i would go through these long periods of i can go six months without having an assignment sometimes wow which is like i'm used to it now like i'm used to like okay well something something's gonna break loose Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm good with my money something's gonna break loose but man in the beginning i just would be like well that's it i'm done you know like what so when something like that occurs mm -hmm. do you is there some kind of like offense tactic like can you go to people or can you go to comic cons and be like hey i I do this like yeah definitely i mean i have a lot of relationships with people in the comics industry with publishers and stuff so i can just send out feelers like hey i've got an opening in my schedule um if you've got anything like i've been doing this long enough now that um and i i I don't mean to sound like cocky about this but the jobs kind of come to me now i think because i've got a reputation of like being easy to work with and and the companies like my work that usually i'll get an email like usually when i've given up usually when i've decided like it's over i'll get an email like hey you want to you want to work on this project and um the tricky part is like when you when you're putting those feelers out or you're 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 getting the work is to like not appear like desperate or or Mm -hmm. like oh god thank you please yes you know like you want to be like you want to be on equal footing and I, I fully admit, like, I've gone to conventions during some of those early dark times. I'm sure just, like, just reeking of, like, that, like, desperation of, like, oh, my God, I need this to work. Yeah. One of my good writer friends has a great saying that, like, in the, and when you're doing something like this, like, nobody wants to buy you lunch when you're hungry. Mm. Like, nobody wants to throw you anything when you're, when you're desperate for it. Sure. But if you're successful and they see your success, they want to, like, be a part of that. Yeah. And, and the stuff just keeps rolling. And, um... One of the things that I'm really proud of that is really flattering to me is that Lucasfilm now recommends me to companies. Really? Yeah. Like wow. I'll get emails from publishers sometimes and they're like, hey, Lucasfilm asked us to get in touch to see if you're available wow. for this. And That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. And um, I had to turn down the last one because I just was the last offer I got because I was so busy. But so that's a really nice feeling. You know, that that, mm-hmm. that makes me feel like what my efforts have gone to something that's worked i yeah. guess you well, know it's pretty cool that you got a reputation you know? yeah it's nice and especially since i don't promote myself at all so yeah it's good it's good but anyway so yeah i guess we can get back to the yeah, process, the process stuff a little yeah. bit and maybe i did it it's, it's that deep work stuff of like going for a walk and figuring things out and just staying on it yeah even when it doesn't feel like it wants to come out so so this just i mean yeah is there other kinds of like things that you've, you've read or anything that kind of help that um, i guess that you would suggest to somebody that does kind of works in the same yeah like uh stephen king's on writing is a great book okay it came out in i think 2000 or 2001 i'm really wary of people who write like how to write books if they haven't written anything else okay and there's a whole industry of people who do that yeah on writing by stephen king on writing yeah that book is great um yeah it's part sort of like how to and part autobiography um let me think if there's any other Deep work, I recommend to everybody now. Okay. And like it's, I feel like it's universal. Any, so any, any kind of, you think that that's just a book that could help anyone? Yes. Like deep work. Deep, I mean, it'll help the guy that wants to learn to play guitar and feels like they're too yeah. old. You okay. know, like it's, it's all about just deciding what you want and carving out time for it. It's true. There's so many, like, 
there's so many distractions, man. <laughs> I know, it's so fr- I know. I was thinking even even when I, when I got I got the you know the Apple Watch and everything just to kind of track mm-hmm. some you know all that stuff. Yeah. But really, all it is is an invitation to like, totally. hey, hey, why don't you dig your phone out of your pocket? You <laughs> totally, just got a yeah. notification. Like, yeah. It just, it's just another, yeah. It's man. just another distraction. All it's it so is. hard, and I'm so susceptible to it. I, I started by doing things like, I'm not on social media anymore because I couldn't stay off of it. Yeah. But it, the first stage of that was like taking it off my phone. Yeah. It was so hard not to look at Facebook or Twitter. So um, the first step of kind of your process, though, is to just isolate yourself yes. into a way where you're not distracted. I have to. Again, it's like tricking myself because I know yeah. what I'm, <laughs> I know what I'm susceptible to. Um, yeah, yeah, and I recommend that for anybody that wants to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the deep workbook, like the the method that I use is just one of like four different uh, styles that he he outlines depending on like how your day is structured. Okay. Some people will only do this at certain times of the year where they'll be like, I'm going off into the woods for a week hmm. and just working on this thing for a, a solid week. And have you? Do you ever do that? Like- I I fantasize about it, but I you know. <laughs> What I, you know, what I think would be really nice is to like go get a hotel room for a weekend or something and yeah. just like lock away and, but, uh, having a home office and having the time is it's, it's enough. I get the job done. Yeah. But yeah, man, the distractions, it is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> At I, least you don't have like, cause you don't have any kids, right? Or no, anything? it's just us and the yeah. just cats and, cats the, and dog. Yeah. 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 Other than that, you don't have a, that would be, I admire people who do this with kids. Um, that'd be tough. It would be really tough, especially like. So having a baby in the house would be hard, but I think if you could get them down to sleep, you could you could get some work done. Actually, one of the suggested patterns in this deep workbook is how to get work done when you can, even if it's in like a twenty minute burst or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I admire people who have like four and five year old kids who who aren't in school and oh, would be yeah. like running around all the time, and because you can't just abandon them, you know, you yeah. can't just like leave them in the living room with the tv on and go in your yeah. office for four hours yeah that's, that's that crazy. Age, it's not like you can just like toss them in a little enclosure yeah and have fun yeah you know? and you like, can't bring them in with you because it requires you know you can't have something that's constantly pulling your attention but yeah but for some for people out so if somebody was listening and like well i got a four or five year old you <laughs> yeah. wouldn't tell them like well don't try like there's no i would definitely say like you've just got to find the time like i other people that do that will either get up super early before the rest of the house is awake oh. you know like get up at like five in the morning if your family gets up at six or seven mm-hmm. and just find that hour or stay up late yeah it's 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 all about how badly you want it you know and like what you're willing to Actually, you know what it is? Like what I've kind of learned with this time management stuff is it's what are you willing to give up? Yeah. Right? Because it's like you said, like instead of watching Netflix, like your friend said about with the guitar lessons, it's like that's what you give up. Yeah. You know, like you give up sleep if you have kids, you know, and you really want to write or you really want to create something or do something. Yeah. And um, I'm so lucky that like I, I have a situation where, I can just get up and do it, you know, mm-hmm. like I really, I don't take that for granted at all, but, oh, yeah. but I get, I do get frustrated with people where they, where you, you hear the excuses, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, I always wanted to write, but I just, you know, like I got kids or I, I, you know, I just work so long. I work, I work long hours and it's like, yeah, he would do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. even, even somebody that was, yeah, did work a lot of hours. Yeah. I mean, 
there's some capacity where you could even yeah. just build an outline or something yeah, and then work yeah. from there. You yeah, know, get in on... that 30 minutes a day. You know, it's it's the same as anything. Like if you decide like you want to work out, you know, if yeah. you decide you want to like, I want to I want to do an elliptical machine for an hour a day. Um, you've got to really, you yeah. got to find that hour somewhere. Yeah. You know, you got to give up an hour that you're devoting to something else. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it was the phone. I don't know. Like, do you ever look at the screen time report on your phone? I the... have, and I'm disgusted. <laughs> I am too. You know? I got mine this morning, and I'm like, even with all this stuff I'm doing, I feel like I didn't look at it too deeply because I'm like, well, does this count for when I'm like have a podcast on and I'm listening to it? Or yeah. Does it count when I'm like streaming music over it? Because this seems ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's been times where. I don't know. It, it's so easy for that time to just like fly by mm-hmm. and you're like, I've been here for two and a half hours yeah. doing nothing, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. There's been other times where, I, I don't know, sometimes like my phone has died while uh-huh. I'm like out just in the woods or something with yeah. friends or something. Uh-huh. And I get frustrated initially. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't look at my phone now. <laughs> yeah. And then I realize like, oh, man. you know, this is amazing. I yeah. don't have to look at my phone. Yeah. Now, you know? And I don't know. You lived a life before the phone existed. It yeah. Was, it's, yeah. It's so, it's, I don't know. It's sad that yeah. we're so attached to such a big distra- distraction. We're all know? there though, man. We're all, we're all in it. Yeah. I hide my phone sometimes. I'll put it in a drawer. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in Do Not Disturb because I've got, you know, I've got a Fitbit that is connected to it. So I get notifications like yeah. your Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it in Do Not Disturb and I'll hide it in a drawer and just, like, do my best not to get, not to go get it. So the first step to somebody, though, yeah. that would want to mm-hmm. do something similar to what you do. Yeah. Find some way to eliminate that distraction. Yeah, definitely. Find and I think time. that's true for anything. If there's anything you want to do, find a way to... I mean, as you've seen, like, I looked at my, my screen time set I do... I don't know five and a half hours a day on my phone or something dang and i'm like that's five hours man that's like five hours i could be doing something else yeah. you know and like even an hour a day is enough to so yeah if you want to do if you want to get into i guess this comes back to a thought that i didn't finish before when, when people come to me and they say like how do i break into this mm-hmm. um the question that they're really asking is how do i do this professionally as soon as possible right that's yeah. what they're really asking um and people are so used to like instant gratification that i don't want to go through the process yeah and i was the same way like like what i said in the very beginning of this where i was wanted to be an artist but i didn't want to take lessons you know yeah um and so it's hard for people to hear like well you've got to devote time to this yeah you've got to devote time to get good and um the first step is like making that promise to yourself that you're going to do it and then the next step is like finding making the time you know Mm -hmm. like giving up something to make the time or like whatever sacrifice you're going to make to do it, deciding that what you want to do is worth the sacrifice that you're going to do to yeah. do it. Because you, there's going to be days where it's the last thing you're going to want to do. And then those, that day turns into two days and that two days turns into a week and that week turns into a month. And then next thing you know, you're at the end of the year looking at your resolutions again. Oh, and man. you're like, this yeah. is the year I'm going to do it. And I'm speaking 100% from experience. Yeah. Know, but this is so, uh, no, it's, it's true. And it comes, it I feel like if the the end of the year comes and you it's dude it can be so frustrating to yeah. look back and say I never got that done yeah I never did it why didn't yeah. I just I wish I would have just started doing it yeah at some point you know what it is it's it's not enough to just say you want to do it like you've got to actually make a plan yeah you've got to actually sit down and like let's say like for example 
your resolution is I want to write a novel in 2019. I want to write a novel. Yeah. That is, you're going to fail. Like if that's, that's your, as far as you go, if you just say, I want to write a novel, you're not going to make it. Sure. So what you've got to do is you've got to decide like, okay, well, what does it take to write a novel? I've got to write 85,000 words in the next 12 months. Right. Yeah. But you do the math on that and it's like divided by 12, like how many words a month is that? And then you figure out like, okay, well, how many words is that a day? You know, you just keep breaking it down. Yeah. And so then your resolution should become, I'm going to write 800 words a day or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and that's manageable. Yeah. Um, but you have to like be tough with yourself too. And you have to say, if I'm going to write 800 words a day and I miss a day that I'm writing 1600 words when I come back, Yeah. you know, like, cause the only way I'm going to get done is if I mathematically, mm-hmm. um, or you say like, if you don't want to use the math, you say like, okay, well, I'm going to get up an hour early every day and yeah. work on this, like regardless of how much I get done. And so your resolution changes from, I want to write a novel in the next year to I'm going to develop the habit of getting up an hour early every day and, and doing this thing that I want to do. Yeah. And by the end of it, you're going to have something, you know, I don't know if it'll be a novel, but you'll have something that didn't exist before, or you'll have accomplished something that whatever it is, if it's, if it's building a bicycle or if it's whatever, you know, it's it's just how much of yourself are you going to devote to it every day? And Mm -hmm. like, and part of that too, like I, I'm sounding like a hard ass, but part of that is also like being really forgiving of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do fall down, because you will fall down, you'll get sick, yeah. or your your wife or girlfriend or family will get sick, mm-hmm. or you'll have to leave town to go to a wedding or a funeral, or you know, life is gonna do its best to like undo you or to yeah. like trip you up, and so you have to account for that too, and you also have to be like okay with yourself of. If you miss that 800 words or you didn't get up or you were sick, as long as you get back to it, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm not, yeah. uh, I'm not a, because that's an easy, especially for creative people, that's an easy trap to fall into of the, like, uh, the imposter syndrome of like, I'm terrible. And I, uh, I fooled everybody into believing that I ever had, yeah. it, you know? And so it's like, you gotta just, you gotta be okay for when you fall down, I guess, too. And that's something like I never got that advice like coming in. It was always just like follow your dreams, you know? Yeah. Like just believe in yourself and it'll get done. And nobody ever talks about like how hard the work is, mm-hmm. you know, of of any goal that you set. And like like, yeah, you're gonna have to give up playing Call of Duty as much as you want to, or whatever it is, like whatever the sacrifice is that you're gonna have to make. You have yeah. to be like you have to decide that what you want is worth it. Mm-hmm. And then just keep reminding yourself and looking back at your progress. You do it for a month and you look back and you've got what, you know, you've got that piece of the bicycle you were building or yeah. whatever. And you'd be like, that didn't exist a month ago, yeah. you know, and it's not a bike. It's a crank and a chain and a handlebar set of handlebars. But, yeah. you know, that's so much closer than I was. But there's an attainable starting place yeah. for everything, you yes. know, that somebody could ease. I mean, like, like even if someone was like, I want to become a Formula One racer yes you know yeah. obviously you're not gonna go buy a formula car right yeah but you could start you could buy some old piece of car and yeah just, you know and just go to the track or something yeah and or, study dry you know. like study what the how how those drivers learn to do it yeah how do they get in that mentality yeah like what it is and, what it is that makes them different from yeah. any other any other yeah that's a that's a good example like something like that is lofty like yeah. you want to be a formula one driver 
Like that is a career that not a lot of people have. Yeah. And not a lot of people are cut out for. But and it's not something you're gonna do in six months. Yeah. You know? So maybe you'll never get there, but yeah. you know, maybe you'll for fun you'll get to go to the track yeah. and you do really well there. You yeah. know, something like that. It's like you gotta reverse engineer it. You have to think about like, okay, somebody you look at the professionals, right? You look at and you think like, okay, well where what was where were they before they were professionals? What's the next step down? Yeah. And what's the next step down below that? And you just keep going down and down and down because those guys all started somewhere. Those yeah. Men and women all started somewhat same as you, you know? Yeah. And what, what was that for them? Like what, was it buying that junker car and going out to the track? Was it reading books? Was it going to these races or going to these meet and greets and trying to like talk to the drivers themselves and yeah. say, ask for advice? And you can even take it down to getting a classy driver. Exactly. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And you know, in your world, it can be yeah. like getting a pencil and a piece of paper. Right. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Downloading that, that software, that writing software that, um, I use this software called Scrivener, which I love. It's I a, heard of that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's really the learning curve on it is pretty steep because um, it can do so much. But how much does it cost like to get thirty bucks, forty bucks? Okay. It's it's affordable. Um, but it's really versatile. It's for all kinds of writing. And one of the things I really like about it now is it will automatically format your manuscript to be published on the Kindle mm. through the through Amazon. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. So you just like you format it and then you upload it and you're, wow. you're good to go. So. You know, and again, like that's a tool you can get. Like, if you want to say, like, I want to be a published author. Is it pretty? I mean, how hard is it to become like, you know, get mm-hmm. it to Kindle and everything like that? And... Um, I think anybody can do it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, the hard part is like getting people to read it. Yeah. But true. um, Fifty Shades of Grey was self-published. Really? Yeah. And The Martian that they turned into a movie with yeah. Matt Damon that was a self-published book. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's getting it out there and then it's like getting people to read it. Well, first of all, it's got to be good, you know, for people yeah. to, to like tell other people to read it. But yeah, as far as my I understand, like getting it up on the Kindle store is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Amazon has got some guidelines about pricing because uh, they don't want you to price it too cheap. And then they take a portion of it for, you know, hosting and uh which is totally fair. I think yeah, it's great. Makes but, sense. I mean, it's cool yeah. that you can do that yeah, anymore. You yeah, yeah. One of my um my cousins is she's in the process of, uh, I think she just got done publishing her third third book of a series. Awesome. Thing, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, she's just kind of telling me the whole process of how yeah. expensive it can be to physically print all of the books. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea, and she what she does is she actually uh. I don't know. She goes through another process where um, basically there's no insurance that everything uh-huh. is going to get printed correctly. <laughs> oh, wow. And so okay. um, she said that there's there you can spend more money to uh-huh. ensure that everything will be fine. And yeah. even if it gets misprinted, that they will reprint it yeah. all at cost of them. Whereas okay. I think she's at a, she's at a, in a point where she can't afford to go that. Yeah. So she has she's to just roll, in the, roll dice. the dice and <laughs> oh, hope man. that they all come back fine. Yeah. You know, but it's really cool that now there is, we have the technology yeah. to just be able to. It's so true. It used to be for a situation like that. It was your cousin, yeah. you said. So it used to be the process was she would have to write a book. She would have to write an entire book. Mm-hmm. And then she would have to go find an agent yeah. to represent her, right? And so she'd have to send out a bunch of query letters to say like, hey, here's my book. Would you like to read a sample of it? Probably not hear back from most of them. Hear back from one of them. Send it to them. They read it. If they like it, they'll represent you. And then you have to sell it to a publisher, mm-hmm. right? And it's the the whole thing starts all over again. Contact publishers. They read it. They like it. They don't like it. 
now for better or worse for worse in some ways because i'm sure there's just like it allows anybody to publish throw it up on the kindle you know like or go print it yourself yeah um i i just think that's really cool yeah i think that's awesome it's kind of the same thing with like youtube and such like that how people can get content out there and you know yeah show what they got but like you said there's also those people that can just throw whatever they got yeah i mean look at what you're doing right now like this is a great example of yeah. like if you wanted to do this before you would probably have to go get a job at a radio station it's true right yeah like you would have it's to true. like find a station that does something like this and then get hired mm-hmm. and then you're at their mercy if they decide they don't like if they think this interview with jeremy barlow is boring and they don't <laughs> you know like they don't they want you to only interview soccer players or something yeah. you know like you you would this lose is some what control. you have to say this yes is like you yes know, and like, make sure you don't do anything that like makes our advertisers uneasy because yeah um yeah it's i think this is great i think it's a great time to be creating anything it's, yeah yeah and within any avenue any aspect uh-huh. it's it's just i feel like we're yeah. pretty lucky to live at the time that we yeah do, me you know? too me too me too. There, uh, one of the podcasts I listened to, um, they asked these conundrum questions, and one of them was, if you could live in any, not not if you could live, but if you could only consume like the books and the music and the movies of any decade, mm-hmm. like what would you choose? And I was ta- I was talking it over with a friend of mine not too long ago, and I said now, like oh yeah, I would totally go for now. Like the stuff that's coming out now is amazing. Like oh the, yeah so much good music and i just saw um spider-man into the spider-verse a couple weekends mm-hmm. ago i don't know if you've seen pretty that. good it is so I've good good things it is about so it. good yeah like uh and i don't mean that as like i'm not coming from like a comic book geek perspective i'm coming from like a just in terms of like technical craft and storytelling like yeah. the animation in it is unbelievable and the story is great and uh you know, that wouldn't have existed 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's... Animation and everything is, like, getting crazy. Yeah. I, even not that... I mean, I know it's, I think, a year old now, but that movie Coco that came mm, out, mm-hmm. I went and saw that in theaters. Yeah. Like, whoa, this is crazy, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, I haven't seen that yet, but I still want to. It's it's a beautiful... Yeah. It's just... I mean, the story's good, too, but just yeah. as a movie and everything... Yeah, yeah. Man, the work yeah. that went into that That's is beautiful. Awesome. And it's really, it's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's a good time to be so alive. It's so exciting. Like, I, I think it's easy. One of the reasons I left social media is because of how negative everybody is yeah. on there, you know? And I, I just think, I'm going to try to articulate an idea that's not original to me, but I really believe it. It's that sort of like the better things are, the more people complain. Like, the better things are, the worst people sort of feel about. Like, like living life in like 2019 is i there's a problems like there's still a lot of problems there's still a lot of you know the world's not perfect but like medical technology is amazing and uh art and and entertainment is amazing and people are living like longer better lives than they ever have mm-hmm. and uh there's just all kinds of opportunities for people that want to take them and i just think that's great you yeah. know and i think that like there's sort of this rage train that people get on on social media where it's like you guys just take a step back you oh, know yeah. and like talk to each other as human beings and and appreciate all this everything that's happening right now because you're missing it oh yeah we're i, I feel like we're i was listening to a podcast not too long ago where they said that 
Um, same kind of thing. Uh, hard times create hardened men. Hardened That's a better men, way to put it. Yeah. Hardened yeah. men create yeah. soft times. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and it's just this yeah. whole thing where it's like, man, like, <laughs> can you imagine growing up in like the twenties or the thirties? Man, I know. Yeah. Where you could wake up, there's a war, you got to go fight yeah. in it. Or you could get polio. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. that, like you, you could have, you could be in healthy condition if yeah. you want. And the world itself might just say, Hey, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but this is what you get to deal with. Now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we live in a time where yeah, we're probably not gonna have to really worry about ever getting called to go. No, fight and, and the other thing war. is too, like this thing that we're complaining about, these phones that we're complaining about, I like know. are like this the luxury. like the pinnacle of like technology, right? Like we have almost all of like human knowledge in our pockets mm-hmm. and we're like fuck this yeah, yeah right? <laughs> this thing bugs me <laughs> yeah this is such a distraction yeah you know it's crazy <laughs> it's you're right a hundred years ago if you would have said like yeah you've got this thing in your pocket that can, you can talk to anybody in the world yeah you can look up at anything you want i was just and, thinking about earlier while i was driving around um just the fact of like having thousands of songs uh-huh. on one little thing yeah like yeah. not having to like, cause me and we went, you know, to guitar center, pick yeah. up that thing. And we were looking yeah. at, um, you know, records there. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, how cool they are, but it's crazy that yeah. a few songs used to be, that was yeah. in that disc. You had to go switch it if you want. I don't to. even, I don't know if you're uh, old enough to remember like when you would have like a booklet of CDs in your car Yeah, and that's all you had to listen to yeah. was like those 12 CDs that yeah, you had. Exactly. Yeah. And it's even then, nuts. you know, you're like. Uh, let's skip this song and like, yeah okay like how about you know pull out that you know whatever cd yeah we'll toss that you know yeah. just like now it's seriously like which of these twenty thousand songs do yeah I listen or i'm to? just gonna stream this one song i like and then a bunch of other recommendations are gonna come through like, yeah, exactly. i don't even have to like yeah. put the thought into it i just i hit play on yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible i love it do you um can you appreciate the um how big i guess like mm-hmm. comics have become for the film industry oh yeah like, are you enjoying like it's all these interesting Marvel- so uh, generally comics people kind of hate it yeah because i've heard mixed yeah like i think the it. movies are great i love them mm-hmm. i think the movies actually do a better job of like telling stories with those characters than the comics do mm-hmm. um because i think the comics i mean these like how long has superman been around and i like superman as a character just fine but like 70 something years you know and Has so it really been that long yeah yeah wow. so so the fans of this stuff the people who are like diehard comics fans they are so keyed in on the continuity of these stories and how they all fit in together mm-hmm. and they don't want new stories to contradict stories that have come mm-hmm. before so when you're starting out that's fine you know you've got this like big open playing field but after 70 years You've told pretty much all the stories you're going to tell about Batman, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And so the people who come into the the industry to write Batman or Spider-Man or whatever, I feel like they're so, like, aware of that that they're not able to really tell great stories because they're like, well, I got to make sure. And and I encountered this with Star Wars, too. It's like, I got to make sure I find that, like, one day in Han Solo's life that's unaccounted for. Yeah. You know? And, like, tell a story in there that doesn't undo anything else and... Whereas the movies are just like they can just do what they want, yeah. And um, I think that I think movies are a better like visual medium now with the with how far special effects have come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that bums the comics people out, 
comics people like comics movies. I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent that. But I think the thing that bums out a lot of people in the comics industry is that uh, those movies make a bazillion dollars, right? Yeah, it's crazy how much those money. I mean, I just read this morning like Aquaman is almost at a billion dollars. Seriously? Like, yeah. Really? Wow. So it's like there's an audience for this stuff, and and you can like I like those superhero movies just fine, but that does not translate back to the comics. Like yeah. people don't go see Aquaman. And then go to a comic shop to buy an Aquaman comic. I want comic. all of the Aquaman Right. Comics. And um, I remember, like, when I was a Dark Horse, like, internally they'd get really frustrated and depressed about that because um, Hellboy is a Dark Horse property, right? Mm-hmm. So Hellboy movie comes out. The books might get a little bit of a bump, but not much. And... So they just be like, why can't we get, why don't people just go buy, you know, like we have all this Hellboy material. Why can't yeah. people go out and why won't, won't people go buy Aquaman? And it's because it's a different experience. Like watching a movie is a different experience than sitting and reading a book. I have, uh, I actually did, I saw an interview with Ron Perlman uh-huh. like, like just a couple of days ago. And he was saying, he did say that um, when, before the first Hellboy movie came mm-hmm. out, there was like no real readership to that. Yeah, it was pretty I guess, small. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that after those people those came out, uh-huh. people really started reading them because uh-huh. like, I didn't even know about. Yeah, this, yeah, you know? yeah. But yeah, I guess there are those ones where you know with Aquaman. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's heard kind of heard of Aquaman, but nobody's yeah. really like went to go. But the other you know. problem is too is like you might find those that small number of people. Um, who go see Aquaman and are super pumped about the character. And they're like, I need more, I need more Aquaman. Yeah. So they'll go to one of the local comic shops and they'll walk in and they'll be like, I need more Aquaman. The first thing they might encounter is there might not be an Aquaman series going right now. Right. Um, And if there is, it probably looks a lot different than what you saw in the movie because the people who make the movies have got freedom to do pretty much what they want. Mm -hmm. And they don't, for the most part, pay a lot of attention to what's happening in the comics. Like they'll read them to get ideas and inspiration and, um, but they're not too concerned about that. They're not too concerned about matching whatever's happening in the Captain America comics at the Mm -hmm. time. And the publishers are terrible at anticipating that demand, you know, like you would think they would say like, okay, well nobody knew Aquaman was going to be as big of a hit as it is, but just in case, like let's have an Aquaman book ready mm-hmm. so that when the movie comes out and people like it they'll have something to come by yeah but it doesn't happen <laughs> is is there so if there was somebody who's like you know i'd really like to get more into reading comic mm-hmm. books and stuff it, you know and they don't necessarily like you know is is there a, a route i guess that you would yeah like a, I, I would say like so the biggest barrier for entry with comics is that you kind of have to learn a new language yeah um and what i mean by that is like the way comics are structured the way comics work in your brain is unique to themselves in that like when you read a book, you're reading words on a piece of paper and those words are translating to images in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I say when I say a pair of red boots, immediately you picture a pair of red boots in your head, yeah. which are different than the boots I picture in my head, but it's still there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so reading a book is kind of like its own magic trick like that. Um, when you go to watch a movie, you're watching a series of still images that are run so fast in front of you that it creates the sense of motion, and then you put sound with it, and your brain interprets that as motion. With comic books, the way that it works is you have a series of still images that are put side by side, and your brain fills in the gap 
between those, mm. wh- you know, the gap between those two pictures. Yeah. And it creates this sort of like illusion of movement or whatever, you know. So if you have a picture of, if you have a picture of a horse, right, and you have a picture of a sad face, your brain makes the connection about this person is sad about this horse mm. or whatever. You know, it's like your brain does a lot of work that you don't even know it's doing when you're reading comics. Um, and for most people, that's it's a subconscious thing and they don't have a problem with it. But like when I give my wife a comic book to read, she's like, I don't know what, where to look, you know, like I don't know what, what image to look at first or what word balloon to read first. Yeah. And if you get an artist who's not very good at storytelling, who's more interested in making a page that looks really flashy and busy, Mm -hmm. it's totally confusing to somebody if they, if they try to sit down and do it. So I think, having an awareness of that when you're going in like okay there might be a little bit of a learning curve with yeah. this um like my wife is just she she'll read some comics but it's not really her thing um but aside from that find out what they like like find out what if somebody is interested in comics but they don't like superheroes because there's a lot of comics that aren't yeah superhero based like the walking dead and stuff. yeah exactly yeah. like my one of my favorites is this series called lock and key um, that's written by Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. Oh, really? Yeah, it's so good. And it's about these kids, this family whose father gets killed. And so they move back to their old family home on the East Coast. This old house that's got all these keys in it that they find. And the keys are magical. Like hmm. they, you put it in a door and you open it up. Like you open one door and you walk through it. And when you're on the other side of it, you're a ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's one key that you put into a door. And when you open the door, it will. T- what's on the other side of it is like, you teleport to anywhere in the world you want to go. Or there's another one that you open and it makes shadows come to life, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's all about these kids finding these keys and there's this evil force in the house that's been trapped there for like generations that's trying to get out. And the book is amazing. It's just like, it's so on a writing level and an art level and and just everything about it is good. And so that's one I recommend a lot. If if somebody is kind of amenable to kind of an emotional like horror story, then that's... Lock and key. Lock and key, yeah. Okay. Um, l-o-c-k-e because the kid's last name is is lock yeah um what's the i guess like what's the best way like if somebody is like i don't know i don't know you know i'm lived so far yeah. from comic books so there's two ways I... you can do it you can either those are collected into um books you can get on amazon okay or you can just get them on your tablet like if you prefer okay. reading on your ipad or your kindle is there an app or something that... yeah you can get them through amazon oh. that way amazon okay. bought this company called comiXology that is a digital comics company mm. And so, um, excuse me. Yeah, that's the uh, whatever your preferred method is. Like I yeah. read, I read comics either way. Uh, I actually, for something like Lock and Key, which is a series I really like, I like to have the books. Like they they put out like hardcover editions of them a while back that are really nice. So I have those on my shelf. Um, but for most other things, I don't read a, a lot of comics anymore. But for most other things, I'll just get them digitally because they stack up. You know, yeah. they're, they're they're physical things that. Where, where do you usually go to kind of like learn about new kind of comics? You know, co- is there like a um, comic book news kind of yeah, website or something? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I've never thought about that. I've been in this industry so long. I guess you probably just kind of hear it word of mouth. Yeah, or sometimes I'll go into the comic shops like once every couple of months and just look around and see yeah. like, yeah, well, it looks good. 
Um, you well, actually okay. I think one of a, a good source for this is the AV Club, hmm. which is a website that was. It's a spinoff of the Onion, but it's it's not comedy or satire. Yeah. And so they just review like movies and books and TV shows, and they've got a, a dedicated comics section. Oh, okay. And so every month or so, they'll they'll kind of put up recommendations, and it's it's typically aimed at people who aren't superhero fans. Oh. Um, but they'll they'll recommend superhero stuff too if they feel like it's kind of above above the level. Yeah um avclub.com yeah avclub.com yeah hmm, interesting yeah have you ever seen a movie or like a tv show or something and just thought like i would love to expand on that like i would really like like i would like to make that's a good question like if you ever, i mean i just feel like i've seen stuff before that i'm like that could be a really cool video game yeah. or something yeah you know? yeah like, yeah that should be expanded upon yeah yes okay so um <laughs> this is a rant. Here comes my it. rant. Go wild, man. So a lot of um, a lot of people who get into my industry do it because they love the characters, mm-hmm. right? Because they see they they have that feeling of like, uh, I want to expand the Spider-Man universe, yeah. right? Like I want to I want to be the one that establishes whatever this piece of Batman's history is that only I've thought of, oh, okay. right? Yeah. They're, they're fans. They're big fans of this stuff. And um, and I think this... Okay, let me expand this a little bit. Like, I think the reason that we get... We have so many, like, movie remakes and sequels and reboots is that um, people are chasing a feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to myself, right? So, like, I said that I love Mad Max. I love Mad Max when I was a kid. My... Uh, there's a lot of people in my industry that would approach that as like my dream is to write mad max comics because i love mad max right yeah and what i've kind of figured out is like i love mad max but mad max exists Mm -hmm. and what i love is that feeling that mad max gave me when i was 11 or 12 or whatever and i saw it and like blew my mind yeah right so i feel like my job is like how do i recreate that feeling for somebody else Mm -hmm. how can i create something that uh somebody else loses their mind over and that's i mean i don't know how you do it. Like, i don't know what the answer to that yeah. is right but that's and so i feel like um the reason we get a lot of remakes and stuff is because people encounter something like transformers or power rangers or whatever it is they there, there's this like point in your life where things get in the window right and it's like it makes this huge impression on you and you can't control what it is it might be something that everybody thinks is terrible but it just happened to hit you at like right at the right time and uh that's a really safe feeling and so that's why we get so many like people uh i really liked the movie pacific rim for example okay right like i, I really enjoyed that movie i liked i like monster robot fighting movies i thought it was really well made and a lot of the complaints about it were like well it's not something i've ever heard of you know or if godzilla was then in this i would like it more and uh it's like because you want that feeling that Godzilla gave you when you were nine, yeah. you know? And it's like, open yourself up to uh, having that feeling with other things. And also accept that you're not nine anymore. Yeah. Like, nothing is going to hit you like that. Like, yeah. nothing is going to hit me like Mad Max hit me when I was 10, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just life. That's mm-hmm. just, like, accepting, like, okay, I'm in a different place. And there's still things I love. Like, I I love Pacific Rim. I love... Uh, yeah, I remember like when I saw The Matrix for the first time and mm-hmm. like what, man, that just I I went in like with such low expectations. 
this Keanu Reeves kung fu movie, like whatever. Yeah, no. Yeah. And man, I walked out of that theater just like my my like my life was changed. You know, yeah. like just thinking about like the possibilities of of storytelling and um, but then but then I didn't then think like now I want to go write, write Matrix stories. Mm-hmm. It was just like. I don't know. I don't know how how to get that across. I mean, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just sounding like an old crank or something. No. But, um, I get tired of sequels and reboots sometimes. Yeah. You know, like we don't need another Ghostbusters. We don't need another. Yeah. Whatever. Like, uh, I I read this article recently that it was making the argument that 1999 was the best year for movies in mm-hmm. a long time, and it ran down the list of like what the top grossing movies of that year were, and it was like Fight Club. Uh, Iron yeah. Giant came out that year. Oh, that's a good one. Um, the Matrix came out that year. It was astounding. Like all the movies that came out this year, and I think the only sequel or spinoff of something was like Star Wars Episode One came out that year. Wow. Um, but it was like, yeah, that was all good stuff. Like yeah, that's it was. the kind of stuff that I'm attracted to. Is, um, so yeah, I guess when I see something that I like. And I think about like expanding it. I do. I do that. I do because I'm. A, I'm. I like stories. So like, I'll think about Pacific Rim, and I'll think about like what could happen next. You mm-hmm. know, like what have they left open, um, and where could this go, and where do they, where do they, where do they not, where do they drop the ball or whatever. But I don't, I'm never compelled to like go out and try to get that job. I okay, guess. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like it would ruin it a little bit too. Because I've done that. I've done that in the past. I did. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna expose what a hypocrite I am. <laughs> When Mad Max Fury Road came out, um, I knew, I don't know, I knew it was going to be great. Like, yeah. I just had a feeling like this movie's going to be so good. And so I, may, I went to all my connections at all these different publishers, and I'm like, if you guys are doing Mad Max comics, I'm your guy, right? Like, please. That was, it was a great movie. I, I oh, man, it, wasn't it? I think twice. Me too. Yeah. Oh, man, it was so good. It was so good. Um yeah, and it's technically a sequel, but, like, it stands on its own. Yeah. You know? Like, you don't have to see any of the... Are you familiar with the Mad Max movies at all? Yeah, yeah. So, I have this, like, since disproven theory that I stick to that the Tom Hardy Mad Max is not the Mel Gibson Mad Max. Yeah. Have you heard this? Yeah. That he's actually the feral kid from mm-hmm. The Road Warrior? Like, yeah. it makes perfect sense. It lines up perfectly. I love it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I went around to the publishers, and I'm like, if you do Mad Max comics... One, because I wanted to do it. And for two, I'm like, I don't want to see somebody else fuck it up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want to read some shitty Mad Max comics. (laughs) So fortunately, like, um, George Miller, who's the creator of Mad Max and the director, he has no interest in doing anything outside of the movies. That's why there's no toys and no, you know, like, no products around it or anything. Because he just doesn't care. Like, he Hmm. he just wants the movies. And so... I think because Warner Brothers did Mad Max, they were able to do DC Comics did like a digital comic or something that I, I didn't look at. It. I don't know if it was any good, but um, but yeah, that stuff doesn't drive me so much. Yeah. Like I, I more think about again, like what can I create that will make people that have that feeling, and I also will like. Uh, I, I mean, I like debating with people story story things. Like I watched Bird Box recently. Did you yeah. see that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Um, um, I liked it. I'll say I like it. But, yeah, I yeah. liked it. Uh, there. I mean, yeah, I I liked it and I appreciated it. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to see like a little bit more um development with what those were. I would yeah. have loved to know. I guess yeah, I would have been cool to know a background behind. Yeah. 
yeah. more about those. Yeah. I did appreciate, you know, following the struggle of somebody that just yeah, has to deal with that. Yeah. But so it would be cool to know. Like, here's what drove me crazy. Okay. I thought the ending was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right? I thought, I thought like... Did you want to see Sandra Bullock die or something? No, 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 no. This gets darker. Listen to this. Okay. So, um... So I love the idea that only the blind people, like it's a world for blind oh, people yeah, now. Yeah. Like I think that's a great idea. That's mm-hmm. really interesting to me. Um, but why is there a school for the blind out in the middle of nowhere that you can only reach by river, right? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And also like you get, they get in there and it's just like paradise. Yeah. Right. Which doesn't make any sense and does not solve any problems. Right. So what I really, like when I saw that they were getting to this, when I first saw the blind character come up, I was like, oh my God, this is going to get dark. Mm-hmm. Because what I thought, the way I thought it should have ended is they presented to Sandra Bullock like, okay, well, we figured out a solution to this. Mm-hmm. You have to voluntarily blind yourself. Oh. The only way you're going to survive, you and your kids are going to survive, is if you're blind. Wow. And we've got this doctor, this sighted surgeon that has survived that we keep down in the basement so that he can't, you know, to protect him. Mm-hmm. And he does this procedure that blind the blinds people that come in wow. you know, so we can save you so like how's that for an emotional decision you have to make like and that, i mean I, I, I don't mean to sound like that's not shitting on blind people at all like yeah, you yeah. know like then not that that's a punishment but it's a decision that you would have to make like um like what kind of world are you willing to live in at yeah. that point you know and i feel like it fit in with the story like all the way up to that point but then mm-hmm. they, they went into the um to the area where like there's like the sun is shining through and the birds are flying around. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like what, what movie am I watching? Like <laughs> this fits in with nothing that I've seen so far. And like, yeah. everybody just gets this. And this, the doctor that was checking her ultrasound just happens to be there too. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're killing me. You are killing me. This is like, you're, you're such a good opportunity. And that's, I don't know. Like, what do I know? <laughs> no, no, that's, that that's that no that's a very that's a good thought it's yeah. creative yeah but, yeah so i can i can appreciate definitely people expanding too much or trying to put too many spins on yeah. one yeah. avenue um but i've heard people think about and just talk about the excitement of man like disney could go crazy with star wars they could do mm-hmm, one about mm-hmm. i heard people be like what about one where like Yoda's young? Like, yeah, what, yeah. How he did this. Yeah. Like, what about one about just the Mandalorians or you know? Yeah. Just, like, yeah. would that? Do you like that idea? Like, do you think that would be cool? Or would you? Be oh, like, totally. Like, huh? I'm not against that stuff at okay. all. I, I okay. I think you were asking the question like for me professionally. Yeah. Um. Or yeah, or even just professionally, I've like, I have little interest in that because I want to create my own stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know, I've been writing Star Wars comics for 10 years, so I've definitely been part of that, like, expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy, if somebody wants to hire me to do it, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to find that uh, whatever it is I can find that, like, speaks to me as a, as a person and as a writer and whatever that emotional entry point is, like, I'm not against that idea at all. You think it's a cool idea for oh, the industry and everything? Totally, like yeah. I think the thing that bothers me is when that becomes everything. Mm-hmm. Like, when there's no room for original stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I think that's one of the reasons Star Wars is so great is because you've got this massive can- canvas that you can go anywhere in, you know? It's true. And, it's kind of like uh, when I've watched, uh, I don't know if you've seen any, like, Rick and Morty. 
Oh, a little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Just the yeah. whole aspect of it, yeah. like they could literally do anything, yeah, you yeah, know? like yeah. The, because of the whole base that they open it up to the universe, you yeah, know? and that there's other dimensions with other Rick and Morty. I love that they could literally they set themselves up to be able to do whatever yeah. they want. With and that. look at how you feel about that. Like in your mind, you imagine this like vast, it's huge, right? Yeah. Um, I think the mistake that people make, the people that work on Star Wars, not so much now. It's better now, but back when. Uh, Back when and during the prequel era, and there's still like this compo- this this pull with fans and with writers where they want to connect all these dots, mm-hmm. right? And so, when I was an editor at Dark Horse, I got a lot of pitches that stories that took place on Tatooine, like Luke Skywalker's home planet, oh, right? Yeah. And I just felt like every time you put a new character or a new story, or you connect, like, well, Luke Skywalker actually is related to this other character that showed up in this other thing it's like it, it actually makes things smaller yeah you know if you if you if you set up a situation where like you've got this massive galaxy but everybody knows each other and is connected and everything happens on these like five planets mm-hmm. like that's not interesting like yeah. that was something actually okay yeah this opens up another thing like one of the things that i really try to do when i get hired for a a star wars story is i create a new planet and i create new aliens and i create oh, really i really try to think hard about like what is a visually interesting place that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. and who would live in that place yeah. and like how can i how can i tie that into the story somehow um have you ever done that though like created something sent it off to them mm-hmm. like what do you guys think and they're like we don't like that like or yeah like, usually i think because i've been doing it so long i know what they don't like and so oh, I don't, okay you know you i, I kind of know what will get through and what what they won't want um and a lot of times they don't care i mean they like the idea of like expanding the map and like yeah. putting new planets and like oh we never knew this place was over there that just seems like it'd be yeah. like really because i imagine anything yeah. you're creating you really like you're like this yeah. is really cool mm-hmm. and then when they're like no, we that's think the hard I'd thing. Like, yeah, God, I really like yeah. this. Yeah, oh, can I save that for something else? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had that happen. I've had that. Ha- yeah, that's the hard thing. Like when you're pitching multiple story ideas. Yeah, because a lot of times they'll take the one you like the least for some reason. You know, oh, like yeah. you'll be really excited about one, but you're like, well, I got to send two more because that's mm-hmm. the that's the job. I've had I've had situations too where like I've created planets and aliens and then they've popped up in other stories. Oh, which really? feels awesome. Yeah, like wow. somebody like somebody else has read a comic I wrote as research for something else, and hmm. or I've brought them back around like ten years later. And um, when I was on Twitter, I would sometimes fans would get in touch and be like, "Hey, that alien you used in that story is this, that the same one that you used in yeah. this other thing a long time ago?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I did call it out." But yeah. have you ever had anyone be like? reach out to you as like could i get an autograph or like could you yeah i used me, to like... yeah that's super flattering like so i've done signings like autograph signings yeah. and stuff at conventions um yeah that's really nice to have i had somebody come up to me once and somebody that i'd, I'd never met and they came up to me and they said uh you wrote this star wars story they they reference this this i used to write these little digests these all ages like 80 page they weren't like comic books they were like little books yeah and he said you wrote this you know you wrote this book that came out last year and i'm like yeah and he's like i i can't go into detail but i just want you to know that my marriage was falling apart when this book came out and there was something there was just something in this story like really helped me deal with a hard time i was having and i just was like i mean that's why i do this right like i was so like floored and that's crazy flattered and so like he had me sign it and um it's a nice feeling like I do want to connect with people, but it's also it's dangerous because you can like 
that can become the reason why you do it, you know, is yeah. to get that like pat on the head. And so I, I, tr- I don't, I don't get into that too much, but yeah, I've done, I've had, uh, I've had people complain too. I've got hate mail before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You wow. know, well, I mean, you've seen how people have reacted to last Jedi. Yeah. You know, people have opinions and Th- people have, true. they have a very like specific idea of how they think sh- things should go. And has it, has it ever been so severe where you're just like, I, I don't want to take any more, jobs in that aspect i don't know do i think because i'm not on social media i'm not exposed to it oh okay. you know and like it's been pretty rare because yeah. i don't really i'm not i'm not controversial for the sake of being controversial and i'm not overtly political or you know i'm not i don't ram a message home with anything i do so it's there's not a lot for people to get mad like i i really feel like if my stories are successful you can read it just purely on like a fun story level and have yeah. a good time but there's also something underneath that will connect with people who need it and and there's probably a lot more people that read it and appreciate it and they're just like they aren't necessarily going to take the time that's to like, true i gotta let jeremy barlow know that's so i true. loved it yeah whereas there's gonna be like uh, i didn't really care for this i'm yeah. just gonna shoot him a shitty comment yeah really quick it's so true like and i'm i do that all the time too like i don't complain online but there's uh you know, I'll read a book or a comic or listen to music that I love, but I'd never reach out to the person that created it. You know, I yeah. just, I'm like, oh, they must know, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Like negative energy drives people like harder yeah. for some reason. Though those haters are yeah. very few, they will make an effort oh, to make yeah. themselves visible totally. to you more than those that appreciate There's this you, mentality you know? of people, I think that with those trolls and those haters where they, they want to take you down a peg mm-hmm. or they feel like you don't deserve your success or they're they're upset that they haven't achieved any sort of success, you yeah. know? And so the way they are going to bring you down to their level is just, just insult you, you know, yeah. and just like try to tear, tear your work down. And yeah. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> That'd be so frustrating though. After yeah. you spend a month or so. Yeah. It's like, hard. You, you pour know. your heart into everything, you know, like I, you know, actually the hardest part is when you hear nothing. Because if somebody is mad at you, at least you like touched a nerve somehow. Mm -hmm. At least like you did something that like, if people just sort of like shrug, you know, yeah, it was fine. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh man, like, yeah, that's the worst. Because you don't even know what you did wrong or whatever, what didn't work. You know, you're just like, oh, they just don't like me. They just, yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, like sometimes criticism can be like, oh, I just hated how you wrote this character or this part in the plot was so stupid. It didn't, you know, they're, they're really harsh about the criticism, but I try to look at any criticism I get is like, is there any truth in this? You know? And that's, it's like being able to step outside yourself and, you know, are they right? Or is there, there must be something here that is like sticking with them. And like, what is that? Like, it can't be, they're upset that I, Lando Calrissian could not have been on this planet during this time because obviously he was over here on this. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's. You, I try to. I try to be like constructive with it. I guess and mm-hmm. I'm always trying to improve. I never want to get to the point where I feel like I'm great and everything I do is, you know, like I know what I'm doing and I don't care what anybody says because yeah. it's. Um, that's where mediocrity comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you? So is what you're doing right now is the novel? Is that something that I haven't? Be- I'm working on another series that I can't announce. Okay. Yeah, that hasn't been. I'll okay t- i'll tell you off mic but um right. so yeah i'm working on a, another like license that's tied into another movie thing comic book series and then the novel yeah the novel what i really want to do is like once i finish this comic thing just go like full bore into the novel writing is it would that be something that uh like you hope to just mm-hmm. basically make like a series of or will it be a one and done um thing or? 
this one that I'm working on now is just a standalone. I've got ideas for probably the next five books that I want to do. Wow. And um, two of them are series. Two of them would would be like, sort of like, I was going to say Jack Reacher. They're not in that thriller genre, but I love how the, I've not read any of the Jack Reacher books, but I hear they're great. Yeah. You know, and I love how he can just keep cranking them out and they're all standalone, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're all just like, it's this character that people love and. What would you do if people approached you and are like, could we make an offshoot comic series of what you have going on? Say, <laughs> like, talk to my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be super flattering. Like that would be really like, I, I when I was in college, I were when in this filmmaking group, um, I was very much, I was a, I was, I was very different. I'll say that, and I was very much about the art. You know, like I want to do things that are important. And I had it. There was a guy in our group that was like, "I feel like if we make a movie, and somebody wants to make a a, a ride at an amusement park based on our movie, mm-hmm. then we have succeeded." I wow! Like, wow, that's a that's a standard, I guess. That's no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this was yeah, this was before the Jurassic Park ride and all of that. Like, it makes sense to me now, but at the time, I was like, "What are you talking about?" No, there, I mean, there's there's <laughs> yeah. totally yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, or if, if you make a a decal or a shirt or something yeah. that someone wants to slap on the side of the car. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. It, it's something that people like want to invest in. Yeah, exactly. And that they love enough that they're like willing to like buy whatever merchandise or I'm not against that at all. Yeah, like they <laughs> yeah. could look at the wardrobe and say like, no, I'm going to rock this shirt yeah. with the, you know. There's also this, there's this whole industry though of um, these t-shirt companies that will make like Rick and Morty shirts that are unlicensed. Oh, you know, like uh, I guess I won't say any of the websites' names because I don't want to give them any advertising. But they'll make all these weird mashup pop culture shirts and sell them. You know, Rick and Morty and uh, Godzilla, for example, or Rick and Morty and and Bumblebee from from Transformers, right? And so they'll make these really clever, really cool shirts and mm-hmm. sell them. But the people that make Rick and Morty don't see a dime of it. Wow, you know, yeah. and and so you you might think that like, well, excuse me, Cartoon Network doesn't need money, you know, and like the uh, Hasbro and whoever makes those um, those Transformers movies, they don't need money. But it's not just those big companies that get ripped off. It's like I could very well be in a position where I create a character and people love it, and then somebody goes out and makes T-shirts of it, and like I don't see a dime of it. You know, they're yeah. like making money off of something I've created. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of shitty. That's a little bit shitty. Um, but yeah, that would be like that would be so flattering to yeah. like have somebody want to do an ad- movie adaptation or a, a cartoon or a comic or. It's sad too because sometimes, honestly, sometimes yeah. some of that I unlicensed stuff yeah. is really fucking cool. It's better <laughs> than the licensed stuff. <laughs> yeah. It is way cool. I know. Just I know. Not having to have that like stamp of approval from yeah. an office like yeah that's great yeah. you know that won't offend it right because the unlicensed stuff they can take chances with yeah they can and, just... and like the artists that do that stuff are so good yeah you know and like in a perfect world like it would you would those companies those tea companies or whatever just kick the creator like 10 cents or something yeah you know? i know it's seriously a, um yeah no i'm with you man i love that stuff yeah. like i'm not i'm not immune to it but I, i'm just saying yeah i I, I think it sucks that, yeah, that yeah, none of that money will really ever make it to the original person that yeah. even inspired the thought. Yeah. But sometimes it's really As cool. a fan, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. It is. It, have it is. you ever seen two different stories, like two different universe, like, uh-huh. a, I don't know, like 
just two different worlds where somehow it would be really cool to like mash those. Do you appreciate uh, mashups? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good question. Even on like a creative, any creative world. Yeah. You know? Um, I used to joke about like what the ultimate mashup would be, and it would be like Tron flying the Starship Enterprise into Mount Doom or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because, yeah, even I don't know. Have you ever seen any of those uh, things on YouTube where they'll even take, like, uh, there's this, I can't remember what channel it is, but uh-huh. they take uh, famous individuals or heroes or something uh-huh. and they make them fight. And they yeah, I saw those. I think it was Superman versus the Hulk, maybe? Yeah, that was yeah. probably one. I saw one where it was uh, Predator versus uh, Wolverine. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. just, it's interesting. Yeah. But I love that kind of stuff. I do too, and I like, I, yeah. And I think that stuff is great. Like, I think people should be allowed to do that. Yeah. Totally. I think where it gets iffy is where people try to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody tried to make money off that Predator Wolverine thing, that's that seems sketchy to me like if you want to go out and make a fan film go for it because yeah. that stuff is awesome i want to watch it yeah I'll, I'll watch yeah i'll watch all that stuff but if you're making money off of somebody else's creation then yeah. i think that like go make your own you know yeah like, that's go. true but those fan films are more than just like mashing up those characters it's somebody like demonstrating their ability as a filmmaker or mm-hmm. their ability to do special effects and it's giving you something as a fan of predator or wolverine that you can't get anywhere else yeah it's true i mean and it's, it's awesome yeah it's so awesome i mean yeah it'd be cool i i wish that there was some yeah. way for there to be like an official thing where yeah it's like, yeah you know, both ones are paid respects and yeah but they'll never do it because 20th century fox won't talk to warner brothers or whatever you yeah, know those exactly. companies are so gigantic and the lawyers are like well we'll only do it if we get like x percentage of the gross or whatever and you're just like ah that's like uh wasn't it for a while that didn't they not have the rights to Wolverine or something like so, that? So um, back in the early or early to mid late seventies ish, when Stanley was trying to get Marvel movies made, mm-hmm. he was selling the movie rights to all over the place. Oh. Right, so he sold the X Men rights to one company, and Spider Man was somewhere else, and Avengers was somewhere else. And then over the the decades, like in the nineties when Marvel had to restructure, they pulled some of the movie rights back in, but they couldn't get. They couldn't get X Men back, and they couldn't get Spider Man back because oh, okay. it was when the movies were really starting to like pick up, like early two mm-hmm. thousands, like late nineties. And Sony was like, "Fuck no, we're not giving you Spider Man. Are you kidding?" And, <laughs> yeah, you know. And the X Men movies were popular, and so um, that's just the way it was for a while. But now Disney is swallowing everybody up. Yeah, and so Disney just bought Fox, and that's where the X Men are, mm. and Aliens and Predator, and so who knows? So and so all of those that are like being made deadpool and all Mm -hmm. of them like those are just being made by marvel right yeah so uh marvel is making my understanding is that marvel is making deadpool and the x-men movies the x-men movies are separate spider-man and deadpool are being made in partnership with marvel Hmm. so like sony owns spider-man and um yeah so if you go see spider-man it's like you see the sony card come up and then you see the marvel card come up and so they've agreed somehow between all their lawyers of like how to how to split it like we'll allow spider-man to go into your universe but you will then give us x amount of money they do like kind of contracts yeah yeah you get them for a little while yeah yeah and that's why you see a movie like venom come out because they own venom Hmm. um so venom can have no 
it's in the Spider-Man universe, but you know, they can't, it's still a separate thing. So Sony gets all of that money that they make. That makes sense. And they don't it's have kinda, to share it with Disney. It's yeah. kind of funny. Cause I appreciate it in like the Deadpool movie. Uh-huh. How they make it blatantly obvious. Like, yeah, we can't afford. Yeah. Show, yeah. Show yeah. Here, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it would be cool. I wish that yeah. they could just go. I, I don't know. I wish it was do it. Let's geek go, out, man. You know, yeah. It. To just, yeah. To, to just go crazy and like yeah. be able to have every I wish that there wasn't so much licensing yeah. and it wasn't like Yeah. Yeah, I man. Know. I think that like I'm I like that they brought Spider-Man into the Avengers movies. I think that's great. Yeah. Um I mean it's possible now that that Disney bought Fox that the X-Men will come in into that universe. I don't know who's left. I don't know. Like I think Marvel got Daredevil back. Like Daredevil they didn't have for a while and the Fantastic 4 they they didn't have or don't have. Do you think we're just going to start seeing like more and more of those? I think too? so. I think probably what will happen is they'll cast somebody else as Wolverine eventually and like bring yeah, him over. I know. Big shoes to fill. I know, right? Like, who do you, who would, you, if you. Man, I have no idea. Hey, we're going to have Jerry Barlow casting yeah. direct for I the don't next know. Wolverine. Well, if you'd ask me like when those movies started, like I didn't know who, who Jackman was. That's, like I would never have true. picked him. But now you can't picture anyone else. Right. Hugh yeah. Jackman, you yeah. Know? Like, yeah, I don't know. He played a great Wolverine. Yeah. I just don't know like who would be like the next I don't yeah. know. It's just one of those roles. I'm where... hoping it would be a surprise. Like I think that like uh Tom Holland who plays Spider Man, I think is perfect. Yeah. Right? Like and I never I didn't know who that was before he yeah. like, came along and I haven't obviously I haven't seen the new, you know, Hellboy or anything, mm-hmm. but I like that David Arbor Yeah, yeah. He he seems like he'll be a great yeah, yeah. Hellboy. I think so too. I like him in Stranger Things and yeah. everything. But initially, when I heard about that, I was like, that'll be weird not yeah. seeing Ron Perlman as yeah. Hellboy. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, again, like, this is such a great time to, like, be around to see this stuff. Yeah. You know? is, there any, is there any actor in a role of any kind of hero or villain mm-hmm. where you're like, that doesn't make any sense? Like, it's just, like, where you're like, that's kind of weird. Oh, like, that's a good question. Um, Man, that is a really good question because I think they've done a good job of like casting everybody. Yeah. Like even Paul Rudd as Ant-Man I think is awesome. Yeah, I love Paul Rudd <laughs> yeah. as Ant-Man. Like, um, I, I mean, I guess it would be like side characters. Like I really like – I'm not as much of a fan of the X-Men movies as I am of the Avengers stuff. But I really like James McAvoy as Professor X. Mm, yeah. I think he's really good. But at the same time, I don't like the guy that they've cast as Cyclops. Mm, um he's yeah. he was in ready player one and i just yeah. like i just feel like the guy's got i don't know i don't want to shit on anybody <laughs> um this is not my taste i'm gonna come after you, you gotta yeah <laughs> i will never work on an x-men movie again <laughs> yeah uh yeah i don't know i think the cat like uh ryan reynolds's deadpool is perfect oh man you know it's it's great because he loves that character mm-hmm. so much and you can tell like mm-hmm. he, he really cares about yeah, it yeah like, yeah I don't know. I feel like if each, if all X Men, mo- I think the thing where like Marvel is doing really mm-hmm. good is they keep on building them. Like yeah. you give them their own movie, yeah, and like, all right, you get to be in the next Avengers yeah. movie. You know, yeah. everyone's gonna love you. They're gonna know exactly who you yeah. are, and they make those movies good. Yeah, like they, you know, like Ant Man was fun, and it's like you can watch Ant Man and like be just fine, or you can see Ant Man show up in Avengers or Civil War, and you're like, oh my god, this is great. Yeah. Do you think they're ever gonna do it with with X Men? Kind of how they're doing it with the Avengers right now, where Probably, they, yeah, where they kind of like every mutant kind of like from the, uh-huh. you know, you're going to get your own movie. Like you're going to, they'd be, gonna... I think they've, I think Marvel has realized they've got a good formula cause they're making so much money. And yeah. I, I don't see why they wouldn't, I don't see whether you wouldn't see like a Nightcrawler movie or a, yeah. or a 
That'd Colossus be really and Iceman. Cool. Yeah, wouldn't it? That'd be another really big universe. Yeah. Where they could, they could go crazy yeah, with that, you there's know? There's so many characters in that universe. It would be so awesome. And then just like, you know, because is there, is there comics right now where mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it shows how, you know, how certain X-Men mm-hmm. found their way to be with? Yeah, or... the X-Men comics are a mess. <laughs> They're really? such a mess because there's so many of them. Like the X-Men comics were the most popular comics of all, like in the 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. early 2000s. And so back then, Marvel was like we can just print money, you know? So let's have like seven X-Men books out at the same time. Yeah. And so, so much has been done with them. They've got all these alternate timelines and different versions of these characters running around. It's like, if you wanted to read an X-Men comic, I don't, I, I would not know where to tell you to go, you know? Um, All the ends are pretty loose. Like, yeah. And it's just like, they keep redoing it. Like they'll do a year of a storyline and then the next storyline they'll do will like, undo the previous one Hmm. or um like if you want to read about the original team of the x-men you've got to find like there was a storyline a couple years ago where they so the x-men were created in the 1960s and they had really yeah oh yeah this stuff's been around for a while wow i didn't yeah the original x-men comics came out in the 1960s and uh it was cyclops and beast and iceman and gene gray and angel were the original group wow until like the mid 70s and then they created a bunch of new characters so like if you if you want to read comics with that a couple years ago they did a storyline where they went back in time and they brought those young versions of the characters into the present because again like i said with the superman stuff you've been like there have been 50 plus years of x-men comics now right so like these characters don't age but they've had to age them a little bit yeah so like i want to read the original formation of the x-men it's like which version you know yeah that's true what what do you want to do so that's why i like the movies because they're simple Mm -hmm. like if you want to know and there's not there hasn't been many of them so you can't really dig it and some of them haven't been that great but yeah logan was awesome i thought logan was oh man so good i i I wish that all of those movies like all of the marvel Mm -hmm. i wish that they could all do them on that level like yeah Slap that R in there. Yeah, and just go yeah. Crazy, just go know? for it. Like, give it that heavy yeah. edge that it deserves. It doesn't work for Ant Man, but man, it works for Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it would be kind of hard to make. I mean, I just feel like if it was a rated R Ant Man, it'd, like, <laughs> it'd be like a it'd be a sex comedy. Yeah, exactly. Just be it would. like a they sex just go comedy for a lot of nudity and... with it's a, with a crazy suit in the mix. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But uh, but they they've done good like. Uh, like Doctor Strange was fun. Doctor Strange was good, and the Gar- I, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, like, he's a good actor. I I feel like the Marvel movies I felt like started to get a little bit stale around, oh, uh, like Thor two. Yeah, you know, like the formula started to really wear out, and then I think Guardians of the Galaxy kind of like kicked it back into gear because that movie mm-hmm. was so different. Oh yeah, and then and there's er- a lot of comedy. Like, yeah, yeah, like- and those characters were all kind of losers and um. And then I, I'm I'm having trouble remembering the order of how everything came out, but I really feel like it got crazy there for a while. Yeah, and I feel like Doctor Strange was a turning point because it was so different and so good. Yeah, and I feel like everything that has come out since then has been super solid. Yeah, super yeah. good. There was a while there, like I was able to go see like all of the Marvel movies in theaters and then it was after mm-hmm. thor 2 where it just got wild and i was yeah. like i can't keep up they were coming out like every four months yeah or something. exactly yeah. i was like wait 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 what the... i just couldn't like yeah. keep up with it all you know? i know but... i know and i um 
I I wonder what it feels like because I've been following the stuff since the first one Iron Man came out. But like to be somebody now who's like twelve or fourteen and being like I want to watch you know do they think Iron Man's an old movie at this point you know yeah. and like or somebody else who's like okay I'm finally gonna give these movies a shot like yeah. where. Do you tell them to start with Iron Man? Like, okay, you've got 15 or 17 movies yeah, to watch. You know? Seriously. Or do you just say, like, watch Winter Soldier, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, watch Winter Soldier, call it good. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll get the rundown. Like. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how that is for people. What's your favorite one? Do you have a favorite Marvel movie or superhero um, movie? Hmm. I remember... Well, each one, I can appreciate the story for each one, mm-hmm. but I remember when I went and saw the the first Avengers movie yeah. in theaters, yeah. I walked out like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like, yeah, was, yeah. I think it was just so exciting to see everyone yeah. coming together. Yeah. And like, and it was so good. Yeah, it was just, it was really well done. It was exciting. Yeah. It was like nonstop, like just going crazy, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that one, that one might have been my favorite. Um, I did like Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, me too. That one was really Oh, cool. I love that one. Yeah. I love a good amount of, you know, a little, a few laughs here and yeah. there. And then like some really good action. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, um, is there one that you think that there, like if there was one that hasn't been made yet and there hasn't been an indication to being made, mm-hmm. what of the Marvel Universe? Like a character they haven't touched on yet? Yeah. Do you think there's one in like, oh man, oh. I'm hope that they bring that's that a good question um excuse me um whew, let me think about that for a second yeah because they've done such a good job like when i was a kid i loved the hulk yeah. like i really like there was something about um you know i was like i was a small kid and i was kind of bullied a lot and i just love the idea of like having that monster inside of you that you can unleash and yeah um oh there's there's just such a a dark side to it just the yeah. fact that when he um says, you know, I I I tried to like yeah. put a bullet in there and the other yeah. guy just spit it out. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh man. That's like, dark. Yeah, it's so dark. Yeah. You know what I think is genius about that? That whole idea is that like so for Banner, like when they do Banner right, like you really feel for this guy, right? Yeah. Like cuz he's carrying this heavy this heavy burden, this curse that he's got. Like he's got this monster inside of him that he doesn't want to let out. And so when the Hulk comes out, it's the worst thing for Banner. Yeah. Right. It's the worst thing. And like, you care about this guy and you don't want it to happen. But as a fan, you want to see the Hulk. Yeah. Right. Like you want to see the Hulk come out. Yeah. And so I love the, like the emotional tension in that of like, Oh, there, there, there was this old, I don't know if you've ever seen the old Hulk TV show from the like late seventies. Yeah. I've seen it a little bit. I haven't like seen all. I went back and watched it on DVD and it's like, it's so good because of that, because they have no money. Right. So the Hulk can only come out like twice in an episode. Mm -hmm. And so they spend, they really invest in Banner Mm -hmm. and the whole, the whole show is Banner, like going from place to place, trying to find a cure for his, for the Hulk. Uh, and he, he thinks he's got a lead on something and he goes somewhere um you know a typical event a typical uh example would be like he's heard about that there's been this research in uh controlling animal aggression right so he goes to this lab and he gets a job in this lab because he's thinking like well maybe there's something in here that i can use to so he gets in there and you find out that like the mob is like shaking down the lab or something. So he gets involved in this situation that he can't help but get involved with because he's a he's a good guy. And 
something happens and the Hulk comes out and the lab gets trashed and he has to leave, right? And so, like, he's so close and then he has to move on. And, and again, as a fan, you're like, oh, man, I really hope this guy, like, works it out because yeah. I care about him, you know? But God damn, I want to see the Hulk. Yeah, like, I want right. to, oh, man, here he comes. This is the best part. Oh, no, his life's ruined. Now he's got to move on to the... Yeah. And, uh, it's just it's such a... It's so good. It is so good. Yeah, everyone... Um, I think on on the surface the hulk seems like it's like oh yeah it's just a guy that goes crazy he's a strong guy yeah wreck shit but i mean when you really look at it there's a lot of emotional struggle yeah yeah even in ragnarok when he was like he didn't want to go back to just being banner yeah like trying to just like no like i gotta stay like yeah yeah that and coming back i mean it's just that's great isn't it like i didn't yeah you're right like i didn't even i didn't even think about that that like you care about the hulk too like you know and like the hulk knows when Banner comes out, he goes away. Yeah, and... like, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, is, is there one that you would think, like, oh, that'd be, a, Man. That'd be exciting um, to see that... I feel like they've hit on, a, like, a lot of the main, you know... Yeah, Captain yeah, Marvel I mean, you'd have to, like, dig uh, deep, I think, for, like, an obscure character. Like, Doctor Strange I really liked when I was a kid. Um, Is there one for you, like, while I'm thinking about it? Is there anyone that... Um. I don't know. I was really, I was excited when Thor came out. Mm-hmm. I really, I like Thor. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. You know what I'd like is a really good Ghost Rider movie. Yeah. Like yeah. a good one. Like, yeah. No, I think that character is really interesting. I mean, I I like Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But, well, who doesn't? Um, you know? Yeah. He's... Yeah. I feel like that could be redone. Yeah. Who do you think would be a good a good uh i think if you went with somebody like again it's sort of like the hulk dilemma right like you've got this character that's got this like demon inside of him and whose face melts off when he mm-hmm. he transforms into it so you'd want to have somebody who's like pretty likable and sympathetic so that like when that happens you're like oh man but yes uh i so i have a standard answer when anybody asks me like who i think should go in a movie it's sam rockwell like i'll put sam rockwell in anything mm, okay um do you know who that is like he was in uh, i recognize the name yeah he me uh, let me think of what he was in a movie called seven psychopaths recently and seven moon did you see moon oh um, okay yeah i recognize this guy yeah yeah i think he's great i think he's funny and he's charming and he's kind of a dweeb but there's but something he could also be uh yeah he was in Galaxy Quest as the red shirt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's awesome. Like sometimes when I'm uh when I'm writing stories, writing comic stories or whatever, I will cast the as if it was a movie cuz sometimes you know, certain actors have a certain inflection in the way they deliver dialogue and, yeah. and whatever. And so um it's sometimes it's super helpful to think like okay if this actor was playing this part this is how they would sound so like when you're writing dialogue for them mm-hmm. and i had this joke for a long time where i'm like sam rockwell's in everything i do like <laughs> anything i make he's in um i know that um there's a few celebrities out there that do they want to be involved they mm-hmm. like hope to get a role mm-hmm. you know um i know that jensen ackles Oh yeah, plays yeah. Dean Winchester. Uh-huh. Like, he really wants to. He wants to get a role. As, oh, interesting. I wonder, like, yeah. is there one where you could see him as? And he's he's a pretty versatile guy. I think yeah, that's kind of he's another like, one of those like everyday guys that like you put him in a situation like being the Hulk or something and you feel bad for him. You know, mm-hmm. he would be good. Like, oh man, I feel like he could do kind of anything. Yeah, you could put him in almost anything and he would be good at it. Like, he's the kind of guy I think that would be like a good Cyclops or something in the X Men yeah. or. Um. Yeah, 
I don't know. What do you think? Like, what do you think he'd be good for? Hmm. I could see that. Um, I could maybe see him doing like, cause he, mm. he did a really good struggle uh, or he did, uh-huh. he did really well in supernatural uh-huh. as being a guy that was like, just trying to like, you know, just yeah. hide away his emotions. Yeah. He yeah. could be a really good ghostwriter. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like, I'm just going to, you know, try and, but meanwhile he's got it going, you know, that's the thing. This. Like, yeah, you find out what his strength or his weakness is. And then you find out like, put him in a situation where he can't hide that emotion yeah. and he can't hide that like if that's what he's good at or that's what he's want he wants to do yeah then you make him do the opposite of that put him make him a character that is like that's his struggle yeah so like, i think that could be really yeah. cool for him yeah um yeah yeah i'm pretty happy with like you know as much as i was saying before about like expanding on things i'm so, I, th- I think i they can keep making movies as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah especially with the budget that they have Man, I, mean, I know they and can go crazy yeah you know? i can't um, they, they just like they figured it out i'm trying to think i wanted to try and uh because there's like these uh maybe like this poster or something let me bring it up um this is a sweet tv yeah, no, I got a good deal on it. It was, uh, it was some guy who was just like moving or something, Sweet. and he didn't want to take it with was him. Was it Craigslist? Is that you? Yep. Sweet. Dude, that's how I get like everything. Yeah, that's I just, awesome. I just kind of look around and see until I can find a good deal or something. Next time you come over, I'll show you my karaoke room. You have a karaoke room? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want to get it. Like, I've just got a, I guess I got a screen like this size in there now, but I want to get something I can put on the wall. Yeah, no, they're uh, it's it's handy just to have have yeah. something. Um, let me see. I was gonna pull up just kind of like some kind of like pictures. Oh yeah, I love that kind of like... stuff. When I was a kid, man, I would like, I would die. I would sit and just stare at that stuff for so long. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, is there anything that like kind of jumps out? Yeah. You, like... Well, yeah. Okay. So like, so I guess they've done Iron Fist already. Moon Knight was a character I liked a lot. I don't know if he's in there. He's sort of like the Batman ripoff, but uh, everybody in the front they've pretty much done. Yeah, yeah. I, I had this like this same kind of poster my sister got for uh-huh. me, and so I had it in my room. And friends would come over and be like, 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 who do you think's the most bad? Like, if they yeah. had a huge fight, yeah, who would yeah. come out on top? Oh, you yeah. know, I've had like, that conversation so many times. Nightcrawler up there. I like Nightcrawler a lot. Yeah. Have you seen Venom yet? No, not yet. Is it good? I, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. I've heard good things. I've been waiting but... for it to... Uh, I saw Aquaman the other day. Was it pretty good? It was. Was yeah, it? Yeah, it was... Uh, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't think it would be, but... Uh, I like Jason Momoa. Me too. He's yeah. pretty rugged. He's a good and, selling point. You know? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's directed by the guy that did a bunch of the good Fast and Furious movies, so oh, it's got okay. a really like cool kinetic style to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I don't think, man... Who else is in there? I don't know. There's so many. Uh, there's so there's so many avenue routes yeah. that they could go, you know. And they've done a lot of these guys already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would kind of like to see more of like the science fictiony stuff, like Guardians of the Galaxy and um, like Silver Surfer is a yeah. pretty cool character. I think they could do some cool stuff with him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, somebody told me they feel like he's definitely. Um, He's underrated. Yeah, that, yeah. Like he can do something pretty cool. Yeah, with him. he's pretty powerful. Um, there's a character in the Infinity Gauntlet is all based on some comics from like the 90s, I think. 
And the main hero in that series is called Adam Warlock, who they kind of teased a little bit in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, okay. So those, those uh, aliens with the gold skin who are yeah. chasing the, the crew in the beginning, he's one of those guys, and he's this, oh. like, engineered being who's made to defeat Thanos. Huh. But uh, it looks like they're going a different direction. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to do with the... Uh, there's a lot of talk about these actors contracts expiring after this last avengers movie yeah i wonder what they're yeah so like that we could have no more tony stark and steve rogers and do you think that they would probably just do that they'd probably just probably like, well, we're just gonna and i think that's okay like i think it's okay to like uh hand off let somebody else be captain america you know because they've done such a good job of casting it yeah like there's a you know part of he's like oh man i really like chris evans as captain america like i don't want to see um see him go away but at the same time like the, the next guy they get could be great yeah you when know, it could just be i'd like to see jensen ackles there you go you know, yeah like <laughs> yeah there you go That'd be cool he's your sam rockwell yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that could be a lot of fun yeah i guess there's no single single role where so i, I yeah. couldn't really see anyone else yeah like yeah if anything it was probably wolverine like yeah. that'll be kind of that's weird. a tough one that'll be hard yeah. but other than that like anything else i'm okay with yeah i mean we've know? had three spider-man in the last like 12 years or yeah, whatever it's, it's true um i mean i keep hoping maybe they'll bring back toby mcguire and Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well i like those first two movies but yeah i never saw the second uh andrew garfield spider-man yeah, because I didn't like the first one very. I like Andrew Garfield a lot as an actor, but man, that movie was a mess. Yeah, I didn't. I saw the first one too, and after that, I was kind of like, eh, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll all see what happens in a few. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that first that you know, remember that scene in Spider Man mm-hmm. when he stops the train? Yeah. Just by, yeah, and they like carry it, like lift that him scene back. is so good. It's heavy, man. I was like, oh, yeah. Geez. Well, in the yeah. Oh man, that scene is so good. And then what makes it so good is when they hand him his mask yeah, back, and, and they're like, like, "We won't tell anybody." Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh man, that's a good, that's a good scene." That's what I'm talking about, man. Like, yeah, those that kind of stuff just gets me like every time. Do you think you'd ever consider trying to come up with your own storyline or something that someday maybe like it would become a movie? Yeah, or I something? mean, the series of books that I want to do. I've got two series I want to do, and they're both kind of science fictiony. Like, I think would be great. Like, uh, these originally started out as um, ideas I had for graphic novels. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's just really hard, especially in comics, it's really hard to get original stuff off the ground. And again, because you've got to, like, find an artist to work with. But, that makes um, sense. But yeah, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of series based on characters that I think would be super fun for Ackles to play when they yeah there you go. <laughs> or Rockwell yeah or Sam Rockwell he's, yeah still in the game yeah yeah one of the characters is this kid he's like I can't let me think if I can remember how old he was he's like sixteen mm-hmm. and his job is to go out and map new planets oh so he's always out just mapping new planets that'd be cool and uh, he never likes to stay in one place very long and he's got this robot partner that hates him and so he. Uh, accidentally like unleashes this terrible he goes to this planet and accidentally unleashes this terrible thing that he's got to deal with okay um and i just thought man he's a really fun character that i could put in almost any situation Mm -hmm. you know and it would be a fun series to do but yeah that would be great i would love it but (laughs) yeah like uh yeah as a fan and as a writer it would be great and then on the business side of it's like fuck i'd have to get a lawyer i'd have to get an agent (laughs) like 
Yeah. You know, anytime there's money, there's contracts. And But if somebody did approach you and said, I want to make a movie out of this, yeah. you wouldn't be like, no. I'm it would depend on who it. it was, I think. Oh, okay. You know, if it was somebody crappy who wasn't good at making movies. Michael would... Bay came to you and was like, yeah. I want to make this. All the explosions. Yeah, all it would be tough, man. I mean, because you're talking like you could retire on that, you know, but. Is there a director? Like if you, with what you've written so uh-huh. far, do you have like a director that? You oh like? man, there's directors I like. I like, uh, I like Duncan Jones who did Moon a lot. Yeah, I really like um, Matthew Vaughn who directed The Kingsman. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't like the second one as much, but the first one is great. He did the X Men First Class mm, okay. and Stardust. I think he's a, he's great. Like he, yeah, I would like to have him do a movie. Um, if he's listening, I'm yeah, okay. and I know he is. I know you are, Mr. Vaughn. My phone number is. <laughs> I know I don't have anything original out right now, but trust me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like I like Luke Besson a lot too, who did the Transporter movies. Oh and, yeah. Uh, he just did Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Hmm. Okay. Um, which is just bugfuck crazy and i loved it <laughs> it's the story it's, itself is pretty shaky but man i love movies that do like world building yeah a lot like did you see jupiter ascending i ha- uh yeah i've seen channing tatum I think i've is seen in. most of it yeah so it's terrible it's, oh really yeah but i love it it's it's the wachowskis who did the matrix and i'll, I'll see anything that they do uh-huh um it was kind of it was it, hard i don't know it's clunky kinda, it's super yeah, it clunky but us. man like the world building in it is so awesome like yeah. the places that they go are like I just love that. I love seeing things. I love seeing places that I've never seen before in yeah. movies. And uh, Aquaman is really good at that. Like the different kingdoms under they don't really advertise it in the previews, but he goes to these different kingdoms mm-hmm. under the ocean, and then some of them are just crazy. They're just really cool stuff like that. I get really excited, but yeah. then I'm like, oh, I want to see something over there. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. it's never gonna happen. Or like, I want to see more. Of the, let's not leave yet. Yeah, right. There's more Seriously. of this. Like, how does this? How does this city work? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think, again, because like my what I want to do is connect with people is you want to connect with a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. like you want, I want people to read my books and I want a movie is like a way to, to reach like a gigantic audience. But you want it to be good. You know, you don't want it to be. It seems like it's let me see if I can think of an example of something that's come out lately that was an adaptation of something that people really liked. Uh, the Dark Tower. Like I didn't see it. Hmm. The Stephen King like got, like people love those books. I haven't seen it, but yeah. Um, but apparently people don't love that movie. Oh. You know, they think it was just it just fell flat, and so it's like you. I guess you've always got to be careful, and I think sometimes too, like my understanding of it is that I might not have a say. You know, like well, I would because if like I wrote a book, I own it. But Disney could come to me and say like, we want to buy the rights to make a movie of this. Mm-hmm. And I could say, yeah. And they could say, like, okay, here's your check. And now you're out of the, that, that's you're out of the sad. loop. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I think a lot of times if you're a popular author and they don't want the bad press, they'll, like, invite you to be in- involved in the process. Mm-hmm. But it's probably just as common to be, like, they're making a movie in my book. And yeah, they've changed everything. Do you, how hard do you think it was for George Lucas to, like, sign oh, man. away? man. I don't know. That'd be tough. I've thought about that because that was, like, that's his heart and soul. But at the yeah. same time... It's also the source of like endless abuse. Yeah. You know, like especially around the prequel era because people do not like those movies and they went out of their way to tell him that. But I I I do appreciate though that he waited until yeah. the technology was there to yeah, do it justice. Yeah. It was yeah. cool. 
Yeah. That was cool that he did that. Yeah. You know, like, because yeah, it, it would be hard to just, like, to, I'm going to write this in the middle of my idea. Like, I'm going to yeah. go ahead and produce this. Yeah. And then I'll come back and I'll uh-huh. tell what I, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I think it's good. I think he got unfairly sh- shit on, to be honest, with a lot of that stuff, you know, because yeah. it's his thing, too. He can do what he wants with it. It's, yeah. It's, I think that's the beginning of the toxic fandom where people think that they own everything. There's a, there's an author, a fantasy author named Sam Sykes that I used to follow on Twitter. And he had this great breakdown of fandom, right? Mm. And so it was like, the fandom starts out like, I like this thing. Um, I own this thing. I control this thing. <laughs> I hate this thing. I must destroy this thing. <laughs> and it's true. It's yeah. sad, you know. Like, I, uh, how do you feel about the Last Jedi? You want to get into that? Um, I actually I haven't seen that one. Oh, okay, yet. okay. So it's controversial, as you know. Like, is it? I mean, well, I've heard some I've heard fans that. hate it and have gone out of their way to go online to like harass the actors in it. And mm-hmm. um, I I do have friends that are fans of star wars to where yeah you know they'll appreciate it like yeah if the, anything yeah. comes out and there's other ones that are like i had one that just because that it's not george lucas yeah. from the get-go okay episode yeah. seven was like not doing it nope yeah like, that's fine i respect that that's fine you know i like last <laughs> jedi a lot i know a lot of people had problems with it but it was they took a lot of chances in it and they went in directions that were like unexpected and and that fandom reaction is exactly that they're like this is not what i wanted this is not what i expected and what did you uh, think of it i liked it a lot i liked that they took chances yeah and i liked that they uh they went in some directions with the characters that were risky but the way they wrap up that movie i think is like so true to like george lucas's idea in the beginning of it yeah um one of the things I had a hard time with with Star Wars is when they introduced the idea of the midichlorians and oh, the blood yeah. is like, that's mm-hmm. what makes you have the force is if you've got these like little aliens in your blood. Yeah. Because in the beginning, what made Luke Skywalker so awesome is that he was a nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like this farmer out on this desert planet. Yeah. And the whole idea of, of the force was like, it's open to anybody. Like anybody can connect with this force that runs throughout the universe even some like podunk kid in the middle of nowhere yeah and so the idea with the midichlorians is like well no you got to have like royal you blood gotta be born with yeah this. you've got to it's genetic mm-hmm. like not everybody can have the force you've got to come from this special family or whatever yeah so, and eh, that's kind of not as good yeah yeah it definitely mm. seems like it limits you yeah so they go they don't explicitly do it but last jedi goes a long way to like saying no it's not that like it's anybody can this is for everybody this mm-hmm. is Everybody has the potential for greatness. And I love that. I think that's a, a good thing. It seems like all the Metaclorians really did yeah. was it gave Qui Gon Jinn the ability to be like, he's got it going on. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. He can do a test on him. It's yeah. like, it's off the charts. Exactly. So we got to bring him in. So, all he could, yeah. It was like there for a report. So yeah. Yeah. There it is. That's my point. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. He's in. Yeah. It's so true. It was a, it was a, it was a plot shortcut. Yeah. Whereas if they left that out, like they could really be like, yeah. I'm going to get this kid to that point. Yeah. Like, there's other ways to test him. Like, he's he's strong with the Force. We yeah. don't know why, but there's something about this kid that's strong with the Force. Exactly. Let's, let's bring him in and see what he can do. Yeah. Where they could just take anybody and turn them into... Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of, like, certain... You know, every, people. everybody has different personalities, you know, in real life and are good at different things. And, I, you know, it's okay to have the idea of, like, this person is more in touch just naturally with whatever this Force is. They're able to 
channel it and feel it in a way that is is different yeah but it's not because of their genetics yeah you know um, could you imagine if if uh disney decided like we're gonna bend that we're gonna try and make something <laughs> to where that doesn't matter <laughs> like you yeah know, like with the midichlorians yeah They're, well they kind of did yeah i mean that's kind of what last jedi is about oh shit really yeah i mean is again they why? don't come out and say the word midichlorian but um yeah, there's there's a big part of it that's about. I mean, Luke Skywalker explicitly says in this movie, like, the Jedi were greedy because we thought the Force was just for us huh. and it's for everybody. So that's is is that a big reason why fans got pissed? I think a big reason they got pissed is because, uh, yes, that and also like when you encounter Luke, he's in a place that's not very heroic, hmm. um, which I think is great. Is like a character story, like. As um, in, like, was he, like, just kind of a dick? Or do you want like, me to spoil it for you? Or, like, or do you want to watch it? I guess not. Yeah, I mean, you should watch it. Yeah. He's just in a dark place. I'll just say that. Like, he's... Things have not worked out too well for Luke when you, when that you come back to him. Wow. Um, And it's... I, I, lo- I think it's great. I think it's, like, a great I, way to, like, examine the natural arc of somebody's life, mm-hmm. you know? And somebody whose expectations haven't quite worked out for them. Yeah. And how they how they deal with that and how they continue to deal with that when faced with, like sort of like a, a greater like somebody coming to them for help and yeah you should watch it if you're yeah, a fan no, of the star I, wars stuff you should watch it I and watch it with watch an open it. mind because i think there's a lot of the other thing that like you know again it's like those that minority of people online who are super loud but they hated that there were so many women in it and like in really like, leading roles wow. yeah like some of the actresses got chased off of social media because the people were so awful mm. about it so that's that's lame yeah yeah, that is, I don't know. I think that kind of stuff's, like, silly. Like, yeah. You know? I don't know. It's for everybody. It's... So, but, yeah, I, I recommend it. Like, if you got a couple hours, yeah, you should watch it. Yeah. It's good. Well, cool. Yeah, no, I, I usually don't try and just, like, I don't go to anything and look yeah. at, like, I'm hating on this already. And I haven't yeah. seen it. Like, you yeah. know, I don't like to do that. Yeah. Whereas I know a lot of people are just, like. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, part of the cool, fan. It's, you know, be a critic yeah. if you want. But, sure. Still well, don't just like something because it's something, but like give it a chance. Yeah. You know, that's something like too that I've encountered in my own work and as a like a fan and stuff is like taking something for what it is and not what you want it to be. Yeah. You know, like going into something with an open mind and saying like, okay, well, that's not the Star Wars movie that I thought I was going to get, but it's yeah. good for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people have a hard time separating that. And a lot of people have a hard time separating the idea of just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not good yeah um and the idea of like not everything is made for you yeah. you know you're not the audience sometimes the, it's made for a different audience and that's okay you know because there's plenty of other stuff that you can like go get it go get into and enjoy and yeah i don't know it's preachy but i think it's i think people would be happier you know like yeah who's who's happy being mad at star wars yeah <laughs> you know i think i thought about when they announced that they were gonna make more yeah how sad it is for those like the ones that really just like love star wars yeah you know anyone that like love those and they passed away before they even yeah. get to about there being more star wars <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. that like Oh, there's always you, you always hear the story of like the poor cancer patient that's just trying to hang on for another month to I see know. the Star Wars movie. Right. Sometimes the Make a Wish Foundation like will take them and give them an advanced screening or something. Yeah. And they just get it's uh, that you know, that's that's interesting. That's an interesting idea of like I've accepted a long time ago that I'm never gonna like 
see all the movies or read all the books or hear all the music that I want to get to because there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make choices about what you do. Um, but the idea of it going on after you're gone, yeah. you know, it's like, it's a, it's a big thing. I, one of the, uh, one of my favorite projects I ever did was, uh, tied into this adult swim animated series called Metalocalypse about this oh. metal band called death clock. Yeah. They were the sweet, the Swedish European death metal band that were so brutal that like their fans would die at concerts like routinely and their wow. fans just love them. It was all comedy. It was all yeah. a joke. And so that like someone, and they're all idiots, right? They're all like super rich idiots. And so one of them gets the idea of like that idea of like people are going to do stuff with our music after we're gone. And we mm-hmm. have to ensure that like our music dies with us. Yeah. And we start now. And so they started like destroying all their like master tapes and stuff. Cause they're like, we're nobody. And it's like, wait, you got it. Um, but yeah, like, like it puts life in perspective, right? That like, yeah. there's going to be someday when you and I are gone and there's still going to be. Yeah x-men movies coming out yeah true i mean we're probably gonna miss some cool stuff yeah this sucks (laughs) what was that uh that star wars movie that came out that was uh it was right after episode seven and then it was uh rogue one yeah yeah you know i was really sad because i heard with rogue one that we were gonna see a much more aggressive side to darth vader yeah and i've wanted to see that i know i know i rogue one i was disappointed in for a lot of reasons yeah yeah. that was one of them yeah that that was my main i was like oh man i was really hoping to just see yeah you know because technically like anakin was still pretty young yeah and you know it's like darth vader was still it was still somebody that on yeah. the inside was still really pissed off. Yeah, really was, conflicted. And yeah, yeah. I wanted to see him go crazy. I feel like that is the biggest missed opportunity with those prequels is like the miscasting or the miswriting of Anakin. Yeah. You know, like Anakin, I think, should have been a character where you like you. First of all, you like don't meet him so young because it's hard to like really sympathize with a kid that that young and the way he was portrayed. But like. I really feel like for that to succeed is like you're watching this character and you're like, there's no way that guy's Darth Vader. Yeah. Like this guy's too awesome. Like this guy's such a good guy. Like, and then when you start to think about it, it's like, oh man, I don't want him to be Darth Vader. Like Mm -hmm. that's sad. Like, but you're watching the movies and you're like, he's kind of a whiny dick. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like I, okay. Yeah. Whatever. It's yeah. I heard one of my friends that has watched, you know, all those, like the, the clone Wars. Oh sure. Yeah. Uh He was like, if you watch all those and you read some of the books and everything, if you look at it from that point of view, you can kind of appreciate uh-huh. how you know down he was yeah, but, yeah yeah if you just watch it like yeah you know yeah the prequels it yeah. just seems like oh he, he just becomes a bitch real quick it's just inevitable yeah You're just like i want to see darth vader now yeah like if instead it was like well, yeah, imagine somebody like Tom Holland who's playing Spider-Man now. Like, yeah. him is Anakin. And you're like, when you meet him and you're like, this Darth Vader, that's not <laughs> yeah, going to happen, yeah, right? right? And Seriously. then you sort of, like, fall in love with him and you're like, oh, man, I don't want anything bad to happen to this guy, you know? And yeah. You get Eccles in the next movie and you're, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, right? you're like, I don't want him to be Darth Vader. But you're so right. Like, yeah, like that Rogue One era, like, that should be, like, Anakin prime rage, right? Oh, yeah. He's been betrayed and he's lost his wife and he's lost his body and he's just, like the dark side and yeah Yeah. he should be mowing shit down that's what i wanted to see i wanted to see him yeah you know hucking lightsabers calling it back taking down fucking oh yeah i wanted to see you want to see like you want to see that jedi purge right like you want to see him hunting down jedi and hiding and exactly that's what i want people making trying to make a lot like darth vader's coming yeah we can't run we got to make a stand here because i mean i figure there's got to be such like 
a reason why you know why yeah. Darth Vader is supposed to be scary. Yeah, it's not just because yeah. he walks around. Yeah, cool, well, yeah, like, and has, know, a, like, has a James Earl Jones voice. It should yeah. be like yeah, when he yeah when he walks into a room, you should shit your pants. Yeah, like oh god, this yeah, guy is like there's just... nothing we can do that's gonna stop this guy. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's... I want to see. Like somebody yeah. that's put on display. Yeah, I can destroy yeah. a planet with my bare hands. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, that's what I want. And when he shows up, you're like, oh man, like he is like the last line of yep. like whatever the empire is throwing at you. It's like they can throw all these star destroyers at you and all these troops, and it's like we've we've we've, we've held the line, and they're not going to take us out. And then Darth Vader starts walking across the battlefront, and you're like, we're fucked, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's I don't know. nothing. There's no way out. That's yeah. what we need to see. Yeah, somehow. Needs yeah. To be. Yeah, yeah, why? Yeah, why? Why make a kind of? I didn't see the Han Solo movie, but it didn't look that. I've heard it. People have told me it's better than it looks, but like, yeah. why do that when you can do a Darth Vader movie? Like, I know that's what I want. That's what people want. That's, that's just go for it. The tirade. The, yeah, this, you know, yeah. That's the yeah. kind of stuff I really like to see. Yeah. Oh, that would be good. And it's too bad it's Disney because it would be great if they could do like a Logan kind of thing where it's exactly. like, this is brutal. Yeah. Like, where it's dark. Yeah. It's like really and it's like, like this guy oh, is a man. villain. Like, because that's guy's... how Logan was. It yeah. was like, there's a lot of emotion. It's not like yeah. it was just like badass. It was like, right. whoa. Right. This is heavy. Right. The whole relationship with the little girl is really great and like anchors it. And yeah. And Darth Vader's another great character who's got this like conflict within him, you know, that you could totally play into. You're never oh. going to see that from Disney. Nope. <laughs> You're not going to see them like, you know. Nope, the end of Rogue shit. One is probably the best it's going to get. Or he's just chopping up the guys on the ship. And they're just yeah. like, oh, so close. We were so close. Yeah, they should make one where it's just like, title, just like Vader. Yeah. And it's just like rated R. It's like, too bad the mo- the Purge is the name of a movie. Because wouldn't that yeah, be great? Right? Like, Seriously. The Purge. Yeah. Where it's just him tracking down Jedi and. Yeah, that would be so good. You start with some Jedi that you really like get sympathetic for and like these guys are heroes and I want them to live and you know they're not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> like if he went like undercut, like if he had like a whole other outfit yeah, just yeah. like, oh, Vader, like, you yeah. know? And like <laughs> yeah. realistically, like he's just there on a yeah. planet just to look for one yeah. Jedi. Yeah. He kills him so many You know what would be good like, too is if you had him be like, I mean, that's what is so great about Luke is Luke is his son. He has the opportunity to like destroy his son, right? Like that's why yeah. that's such a great story. But like you find somebody that he has some, like Anakin has some emotional connection to, right? So yeah. there's like a little bit of like, I got to find this Jedi and I wish I didn't have to. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I don't want to kill this Jedi, but I'm Darth Vader. It's another, yeah, it's that internal struggle. Yeah. That, like, like I have this, this thing I have to do. Yeah. This Jedi's establishing an academy or something, or is mm-hmm. like exactly. at risk to like overthrow the Empire, and uh, that is not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I wish it could happen. I, I know. I, I'll spend all day wishing. But... <laughs> oh, man. Me too. Fan, that's why you do fan film, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me know when you get some Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, when you know, I sell the rights to my book. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> all the money's right. going into the, I'll tell my wife, like, well, we could have had a retirement, but this is better. Yeah, this will <laughs> be worth it. 17-minute Darth Vader fan <laughs> film. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, man. Well, man, um, yeah, it's been like three hours. Oh, man, it's we, gone by like nothing. Yeah, we can go yeah. ahead and wrap it up. And Sounds good. It'd be cool to come back once uh, and you can talk about your novel even more. Yeah, and yeah. And once my uh, next thing's announced, maybe I can come back and we can That'd talk about that a little bit. Yeah. It's... But uh, is there anything, I guess, 
So essentially what I kind of want these to be uh-huh. about is like the person that's listening that wants to do what you're doing. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody that isn't there? They're just at the point where they've, they've got the desire to I do it. I would say like the thing that I needed to hear that I didn't hear is that this is going to be hard. Yeah. That like writing is hard. It's a hard life. Um, and it takes a lot of work. But don't give up yeah. because it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Like doing the work and getting to the point where you feel comfortable enough with your craft. Because really you're, you're developing a craft, right? Like you're, you're, you're develop, developing a craft the same way that somebody who works with wood, like who builds cabinets or bookcases or like, um, I always compare it to like building like high-end furniture or something because I feel like it's, I'm not working with my hands. I'm working with my, my mind. But yeah, like make the commitment and be prepared for it to like be hard and difficult and emotionally trying um, and to not be happy with the work that you do in the beginning to, to the stuff that you, you when you're starting out is going to suck. Like I said earlier, it's going to be tough, you know, tough it out, like yeah. really like make that commitment and tough it out because eventually you're going to page one is going to suck, but page two is going to suck a little bit less than page one and page three is going to suck a little bit less than page two. And by the time you hit page 100 or 1000, you'll look back at page one and go like, oh man, I've come so far. Yeah. You know? And so like, if you want to do it professionally, I would say, don't worry about that right now. Like worry about getting so good that somebody will pay you to do it. Yeah. And then the jobs, the work will find you if you're, if you're that good. Um, have patience, uh, have kindness for yourself. You know, for those times when you're sitting alone and wishing you could go out and hang out with your friends or, um, yeah, cause it's a lonely job, but it's worth it. Like it's worth yeah. it. If that's what you're meant to do, do it. Just go Figure for out it. Some way. Make yeah. Some just time. make the commitment. Just like make the commitment and don't look at it. Like I want to be a novelist or I want to write comics or I want to write movies. Just look at it. Like what can I do every day? Like what, what can I commit to? What can I sacrifice every day? Whether it's an hour or a word count and just do that. Like it's 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 breaking it down into smaller parts and just worrying about what what today is yeah and word 100 will be better than word one yeah word 1000 exactly will be better than 100 exactly like, yeah it's just keep just keep at it just keep the commitment is the most important part of like to the commitment of sitting down and doing it and and just weathering that storm of like self-doubt and criticism and like I, I i'm not really into fanfic writing i don't like putting my work up until it's finished i know some that's a popular thing to do and if that's your thing go for it you know if you feel like you need to get that feedback but don't fall into the trap where you feel like you're only doing it to get validation from other people and to get that like to get the applause because that goes away immediately and that's yeah. a, that's like a hole that will never be filled like you've got to find a way to like like i can't not write you know and i used to hear people say that and i'm like whatever you know <laughs> But like I write every day because I feel better. And like even even if I'm just like writing in my journal and just writing about what I'm dealing with during the day, mm-hmm. even if it's like I got to do the laundry today or something, like the act of like getting those words out it just makes me feel better. Yeah. And so if you've got that in you, if you've got that like need to create something, just um, give yourself space to like let it nurture, you know, foster and grow it up. And I don't know. It's harsh. Like this is harsh advice, but it's also – encouraging advice because it's not not a lot of people say they want to do this job but the difference is a lot of people say that they want to be writers they don't say they want to write and that's a big distinction you know and so yeah if you like to write just find a way to do it yeah eventually you'll you'll get there you'll get better you'll get good you'll get good enough and if somebody wanted to reach out to you with like more questions um i've got a website jeremybarlow.com um 
It's just my name, and it's just a, a front page. It's, my email's on there. If somebody wants okay. to drop me a line over email, I can't read anybody's work, um, you know, so I can't critique anything. I've had a lot of, uh, for legal reasons, basically. Of one reason I don't, I just don't have time. Yeah. But there's also the possibility that somebody could be working on something similar that I'm working on, you oh. know. And so, like, if they send me something that completely coincidentally just happens to be in line with something else that i'm doing yeah i can't put myself at risk of like somebody coming back and being like you stole my idea here's my lawyer that makes sense um and also like i'm because of all the ndas and stuff i've signed with the different companies like sometimes people will send me their star wars ideas oh and i'm like i can't you know like i'm contractually uh forbidden from like looking at this material um but yeah if people want to like just drop me a line and ask me questions i'm open to like you know if people want to like if they're having trouble with any particular thing or some advice, um, yeah, I'm happy to happy to help out. And yeah, yeah, I can't help get anybody a job, so okay. you know, like <laughs> I can't. I have a hard time getting my own job, so yeah, you know, I'll just say that up front too. But um, yeah, and and um, also on my website is a link to my Amazon.com page, oh, sweet. where everything is. So if anybody is interested in stuff that I've done, then At JeremyBarlow.com. Yes, sweet. yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, appreciate the time. Yeah, and thanks, thanks for talking, man. Thanks for inviting me. This has been fun. Yeah. All right. That was my conversation with Jeremy Barlow. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, are enjoying the podcast so far. Tell your friends and family about the show and rate and review. Let me know what you guys are thinking about it so far. Send any emails with ideas or maybe who you want me to talk to next at noparticularpodcast.gmail.com. And please check out the next episode. Thank you for listening.